2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. Are we starting the podcast now? Or? Oh, we've been on the podcast, my brother. <laughs> Yo, welcome to the Death to Life podcast. My name is Richard Young, and I have a cough right now. <laughs> so if I talk for a long time, I'm going to end up coughing. So I'm going to do this really quick because we're going to jump into the podcast right away. And I got that cough. Um, but it is your favorite Peruvian brother, Pastor Harold Alamia. <laughs> Harold Alamia. And man, I've been waiting to hear this podcast for a year and a half. I don't know. And I recorded it a few weeks ago, and I love it. It might be one of my favorite ones. And we really get into some things on this thing. And I know I don't have to convince you to listen to it because you're listening to it already. But man, this mug, this mug. Uh wanna give some announcements. Um, keep your eyes peeled on your insta lives. Go to wave one. Uh, let's see, wave one, lovereality.org. Uh you know, I have a Bible study on Tuesdays called the Death to Life Bible Study. It's at 1.30 Central. It's me and the bald eagle. I've talked about that. Uh, all I wanted to say is, uh, let's listen to this podcast. Let's get this out of the way and really listen to what my man, Harold, what 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 he was all about and what he's all about now and how much uh, Jesus has changed his life. So let's uh, buckle up, strap in. Uh, love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Yo, Richard, are you about to do the podcast? Vamos a romper el tamasín, el que quiera ven a ver esta vida nueva. 
quién soy hasta que me apague. Ya sé que me buscan por allí, pero yo me atrevo a que tenga que sufrir. Yo no hago nada sin traerme todo el team. It's cool, huh? You, how many, you ever been on a podcast before? Never in my life. This is the first time being on a podcast. <laughs> so we've, uh, we've, that's going to be on the podcast, bro. We've circled this mug, this podcast. How long have we circled this mug? Since September 2019, before a podcast existed, huh? Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. So um, we're sitting here in your office. You're yeah. about to, you're about to take off from here, which is cool. But yeah. let's start. Uh, where are you from, bro? Talk to me. Who 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 are you? Where are you from? <laughs> so we're we're jumping straight in. Yeah, like, why not? Because I'm looking. I'm I'm hearing uh, Morgan's little laugh. Yeah, the ha 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 ha. I, I love that. It's I think it's my favorite part of the intro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Richard, we're about to do the podcast, and then Morgan laughs, and she she. Oh no, we've been on the podcast. Or yeah, something, and, she's just and like, she hates it. Oh really? Yeah, she hates anything that she's that she uh, is on front or like right. I try. I I want to do another podcast with her. And she's like turning me down, like she doesn't do want to do it with me. And um, Morgan, if you're listening to this, uh, your time is coming, girl. You better, you better just chill out. So yeah, where, uh, where am I from? Yeah, where are you from? I am from the world. Um, I yeah, I was, you know that that's always one of those weird questions that you get asked. But where are you from? From? No, I was born in Peru. I was born in Lima, Peru. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did a little growing up in Berrien Springs, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I went back to Lima, Peru. Then I moved to Farmington, New Mexico, and then to Colorado, then to Wyoming, then to Berrien Springs, then to Wyoming. No, yeah, Wyoming, and then Colorado, and then Nebraska. So let me. So your dad is a pastor. My dad is a pastor and he is also more like he was a pastor when I wasn't around and then he still remained a pastor, but he turned into a nerd when I was born. (laughs) Wait, so you were born and you had a stop in Berrien Springs. So I feel like, what was he doing there? Dad, um, my my dad's in, um, you know, he's a pastor and Adventist pastors, especially from Peru or from most parts of the world are sent to... Um, this place called Andrews University that's mm-hmm. on the camp that is located in this small little town of Berrien Springs, Michigan. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's kind of like the flagship um, educational institution for the Seventh-day Adventist Church when it comes to theology. Mm-hmm. Um, so dad went to do – first he did a master's degree in the 70s and then in the 80s when I was around, when I was two years old, he went to do a doctorate in Old Testament. Um I think it's Old Testament theology or something like that. Yeah, it's Old Testament theology. And so he got a PhD in that, and that's where I figured I'd tag along. And you're two years old, you're like, <laughs> Yeah, man, Michigan, they got yeah, they yeah. got good apples or something. I'll, yeah, or cherries. I'll I'll head up there. Well, let's go. Let's yeah. go. You know, I'm like, okay, I'll, you know, we'll be back. Yes. Okay, let's go. So um are your first memories in Peru or where are your first memories? My first memory incidentally and I've 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 checked with my mom on this cuz my first memory is of me and I I vividly remember this landing in 
um, the South Bend Airport. I didn't know it was a South Bend Airport, but there's this memory of me wearing this weird little um, overall that was like a shorts overall that's yellow with like like plaid, but yellow with red and blue or whatever. Mm-hmm. And these little sandals and um, and soaking wet because it was raining hard. Hmm. And I remember arriving to this to this campus and to the student housing, which is called Maplewood Apartments. Hmm. And I remember looking at all those doors and telling and thinking, which one is my room? Hmm. And thinking, that's gonna be a lot of work for my mom to clean. Like I but I remember the 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 trip from South Bend Airport. I remember arriving to uh, Andrews to the student housing, and I remember entering the the apartment where we were gonna live. And my dad feeding me applesauce and toasted wheat. <laughs> this is this is a yeah a, a big memory. So <laughs> so it's almost since the beginning, um, theology, understanding the Bible has been a part of your family, a part of your life. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember also seeing my dad. Like I remember going to the library there on on that campus, uh, the James White Library. Uh, with my dad, because as a PhD student, he had like a special corral or special office where he would go do his doctoral work. And I remember he would take me to his office, you know, because mom was working either at the hospital or then she was working at the at the wood shop there on campus. Uh, she's the one kind of sustaining the home with her work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have to go with dad uh, to these uh, to his office and he would be doing his PhD thing. And then he would send me up to the third floor. What am I? Three, four? Man, Dad, what is up with you? (laughs) Run an errand for me, son. (laughs) He'd send me up to the third floor of the library where all the children's books were. And he would just plop me there. And I would read kids' books. Read as in look at the pictures. Yeah, 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 yeah. Four or five. Anyway, so and I remember also him like writing his thesis dissertation on a computer. It wasn't an A something. I can't remember what it was, but it had a floppy disk. That's the first time I discovered video games, bro. And I was like, <laughs> okay, dad does weird stuff. I play video games on this thing. And I was about probably six, seven years old by then. So, you know, I, I figured out video games. And it was it was like on a floppy disk, the seven Oh, I remember. Floppy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I remember dad would pass out like on the living room floor mm-hmm. at like 2, 3 a.m. It was super late. And he's just laying down there, you know trying to catch a little bit of a snooze and then he'd wake up and and i'd hear the strokes of the computer and he didn't know how to write a type on a typewriter so he used he used four fingers that's it that must be a hispanic thing because like my abuelito was a fast typer with two fingers yeah 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 dad dad used four fingers the, the index in the middle of the <laughs> and he that's so i i have these very vivid memories of books and theology i have a vivid memory of him writing down like he's got these illustrations because his thesis dissertation was on angels and demons in the old testament Ay-ay-ay. yeah and so he he has all these illustrations that he would draw like by hand but he would basically copy them against the window you mm-hmm. know and then he'd like you know draw them and to put them onto his dissertation and stuff because those were the days where you couldn't scan a pdf right 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 you had to do stuff by hand bro so how long were you you were up there for a few years then about five years um we went there in 82 we came back we went we we went up to andrews university in 82 and then we went back to 
Upper in 87. So were you speaking just Spanish in home, oh, at the home? They tried, but they failed miserably. Oh, so you were speaking English and I, Spanish. I hated Spanish. I could not stand Spanish. So then when you go back to Peru, did you have to learn more Spanish? I, I understood Spanish, but the funny part, and this is probably where things get weird, is like I thought myself as a white kid. <laughs> <laughs> You're not white, bro. No, I'm not white. But I thought myself, but I do sound very white. You know, you know, I'll throw you off yeah. with, with an accent or through or two. Yeah, yeah. I went back. I thought I was a white kid. Um, so I did not like Spanish because it was just the language of the Hispanic people. And ew. So it, it was a weird thing. And it's not that my parents. So you look down on Hispanics. Oh, yeah. Gosh, yes. And I don't. It wasn't that my parents looked down on Hispanic. They didn't transfer to me any weird racist views. Right. Like they're Latino. Right. And they, we hang out only with Latinos. And, you know, but somehow in my mind, I had this idea. And so we went back to Peru. And Peru is very different than Berrien Springs, Michigan. Yeah. It's dusty. It's, you know, there's no green on that <laughs> campus. Um, and one of the things that was very distinct, I remember, was um, the, the chaos in the classroom compared to my first grade and kindergarten experiences in this Adventist little school on Andrews that was like Ruth Murdoch. Oh, yeah. You know, like it was quiet. It was calm. First grade was like, if you need to raise, go to the bathroom, you raise your hand gently and Mrs. Pearson would be like, yes. And I, can I use the bathroom? Yeah. Yes, you can go. Dude, it was mayhem in the Peruvian school, Adventist school, but mayhem. It was yelling, mayhem. There was no respect for lines. You don't stand in line for anything. You shove everything around. Everything was so disorganized, and I hated it. So I went back to Peru with a baseball bat, a baseball glove, a baseball, mm -hmm. a skateboard, and a Cubs hat. I was a Cubs fan. <laughs> I, I would watch baseball all, you know, I would watch baseball. That was my thing. I'd watch the Cubs, Andre Dawson, the Hawk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was me. I had baseball cards. And here I am landing in a place where soccer is king, and they don't even know what baseball is. I was like... Ugh, I can't stand it. And this. you were having to work on the language. And I had to work on the language. Yeah. So your adolescence was spent you were in Peru. Oh, I by by adolescence I caught on. I'm full Peruvian, I'm not white. <laughs> so so you're growing up in Peru. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your dad is a does he have a church or is no. he he's a dad is working on the university campus in Peru. There's a uh, right now, it's probably the second largest university, Adventist university worldwide. I could be wrong on that statistic. Is the one in Brazil the biggest one? No. Brazil has three campuses, but total right now, Peruvian Union, at least pre-COVID numbers, I don't know what their numbers are, it was about 11,000 students. What? Yeah. On about three campuses. But when we were there, it wasn't that big. You know, they were still growing. So dad was everything. When he landed in 87, he was a teacher, um, you know, newly minted PhD doctoral, you know, professor. Um, then he turned into the a vice dean, or, you know, assistant dean of the School of Theology. Then he was the dean of the School of Theology. Then he was, he, he was everything administratively that you could think of on a university campus. Dean of the School of, of Graduate Studies, vice president, president. My mom was a girl's dean. You guys lived in the girls' dorm then? Um, no, my mom didn't want to live in the girls' dorm. Um, we lived on campus, though. Just, you know, a, a, a stone throw. Yeah. Is that how we say it? A stone's throw. A yeah. stone's throw away. 
Um, but we never lived in the dorm. But I basically lived in the dorm because that's where my mom worked. So I would hang out with my mom more than with my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did a lot of dorm life. So did at any point were you like, I'm going, like, when did you decide, yeah, pastoral work is something that I'm going to. Never. I hated it. Why, why'd you hate it? Because um, I, I, I grew up seeing how, like, I saw how the sausage was made. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't want to do that. Uh, my dad, my dad was an academician, but he was always a pastor. And so one thing that I remember about my old man is that he, he never, he went to a church and he would never say, oh yes, I am Dr. Merlin. No, he was a pastor Merlin. Like, you know, he, every time it's like, oh, because people like to introduce themselves as all like such and such with such and yeah, such. Yeah, the, the, the letters before the letters, and after their name. All these degrees. That was I'm just Pastor Merlin or Pastor Alamia. Mm-hmm. And he he never cared about that. And he would always um, he would always be involved in some sort of either preaching, evangelism. And he always, you know, tagged me along for it. Mm-hmm. So I would always tag along with him just to see what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um I remember this one time I was at my buddy's church off campus and that was a small church and him and I were just chatting it up, you know, mm-hmm. while my dad was preaching about Revelation like 17 or something. Mm-hmm. And it's a small group of people. It wasn't huge. It's a small little church. And I'm, my buddy and I are like, my buddy Leo and I were just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like kids. Sure. And all of a sudden there's a silence. <laughs> He's staring at you. <laughs> and yeah, dad's staring at me. And I'm like, okay, I straighten up, you know. And he keeps on preaching. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, you know, it's, I don't know. I go back with my buddy. We're chatting it up. Second time, my dad just like silence, looks at me. <laughs> like, just stopped preaching, looked at me. Right? Yep. I know the move. Right. The third time, he just, in English, very broken English, but English, he says, adult, sit in front now. And I'm like, and I knew what that meant. You like, were going to get the cuchara or the faja when you got home. Man, me and Aruduro. So, um, but dad didn't. I, you know, he, he didn't. He just, it, it was embarrassing enough. I sat there, but dad never, he wasn't really about the, the spanker was my mom. So she was the disciplinarian in the home? Oh, absolutely. Dad would be the enforcer if things were really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, I would get it from my mom and then I'd get it from my dad. But it had to be bad. And there were several times growing up that it was bad. And and dad would come home like this one time. I remember they caught me stealing. Mm-hmm. It was embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Um, they caught me stealing, and my mom gave me the lecture, and then I got it from my mom. And then there, she's still lecturing me, and I deserved it because I like I literally stole from their purse. Like I stole money <laughs> from my mom's purse, you know. And it's not like they never gave me stuff. So yeah, it was unnecessary. I have I have a brother who's older than me, twelve years. So I'm basically a, an only child. Right. And in my house, I never had need of anything in the sense of like, I always had food. There was always stuff, but mm-hmm. they didn't give me an allowance. My mom was like, I'm not going to give you an allowance. No, forget that. Right. I said, well, why? She's like, okay, well, if you want an allowance, then I'm going to charge you rent. I'm going to charge you for doing your laundry. I'm going to charge you. And, and that quickly. <laughs> You're like, I'm good. Yeah. That quickly. Is, it's like the Latina move. You know, the yeah. Latina move is like your mom was like, oh, you want an allowance? Okay, mijito. Entonces te voy a cobrar por esto, por esto. And I was like, oh, I'm good. No allowance. Um, so, but anyways, I was, you know, we were sitting down. My mom was lecturing me um, after she had spanked me deservedly. 
Yeah. Um, Because I got a couple of people blamed for my actions. (laughs) I had totally blamed them because those were the days that you could have like students live. Man, this is embarrassing. So bad. Um, You could have students live in the house Mm -hmm. and they could like work for you in the house and they could also go to school. It was some sort of arrangement with people in the on on campus community. Mm -hmm. So we had these girls that lived with us that could like they helped around the house mm-hmm. and they that that way they were able to live on campus and go to school et cetera, et cetera, and got them fired i got two of those girls fired because you stole and said that they stole yeah it was bad so when my mom found out that's bad bro that is terrible richard that is terrible that's not bad that's terrible that is horrible. Where are these women now? Hey, ladies, if you're listening to this, he was way in the wrong. Yeah, my mom had to go and 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 just, you know, it, it was her that she had to go and. That's embarrassing. And, of course. You know, not just the fact that like, you know. So were you were you generally mis, a misbehaving kid? I, I was a pain. I was a pain. I was an absolute pain. So to finish that story, yeah, tell me the rest I'm, I'm, I'm finishing there. Dad comes home at six. Literally, the poor man comes home around like in mm-hmm. the evening, suitcase in hand. We're sitting in the living room. As soon as he cr- walks through the door, he looks and he's like, now what? Mm-hmm. And my mom tells him the whole story. Mm-hmm. And dad just quietly dropped his suit, dropped his briefcase, mm-hmm. went into the bathroom in the, in the room, and he just came out with his big belt he didn't say a word and i got it i just i got it right not a word was said my old man didn't say a word he just was like okay he was tired he was tired it was a long day probably for the poor guy in the office and i just got it (laughs) but i guess what Uh i never stole a penny you never stole a penny ever ever again not a single red cent. Didn't matter how <laughs> available it was for me. I'm like, oh, heck. How old were you when this happened? Oh, dude, I was probably 11, 12. You got spanked at 11 or 12. That must have, you got to really wind up if you're spanking an 11 or 12 year old. No, but like, I was a small 12 year old. I was a small okay. 11 and 12 year old. So like it was around that age. So I was, a, I was a pain. I was a pain. Do you remember why or what was going on with you? Or? I don't remember. I think a lot of it probably was just getting I think a lot of it was getting bullied. You were um, bullied? Oh, yeah. What, what, what would they make fun of you? Oh, about? man. They'd make fun of me because I had an oval head or because I was skinny or because my glasses were too big. Um, I got picked on as a kid. Yeah. And I think that I was I would just act out because the, the people doing the bullying was supposed to be my friends. Right. So it was just odd because we're buddies, but you're trolling me so bad. Um, and it was embarrassing. Yeah. It got to the point that like I didn't want to go to my class trip, like my elementary school class trip. I didn't want to go because mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I'm going to be tortured there. They're going to bully me. No, I don't want to go. So they gave me a bicycle instead. My parents were like, okay, well, what do you want? I said, give me a bicycle instead of the stupid class trip. I don't want to go with those people. Were you pretty outgoing or were you more to yourself and were you more to yourself because of this? It was, I was outgoing with my friends, uh-huh. you know, um, the people that I knew, trust that I trusted and that had never bullied me. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I had friends that didn't bully me that tried to st- stand up, but, um, but I was mostly like quiet. So in order to, I think when I look back at this experience, man, you're, you're making me go back years, dude, in this conversation. <laughs> this is interesting. Cause we um, want to know who Harold was, <laughs> the old Harold. Who is uh, that guy? Who That guy was, um, 
Yeah, I I think that in order to try to gain some respect, I started getting really mouthy because I wasn't big, so I couldn't punch you, but I could humiliate you. Yeah. So I started getting really witty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to get my wits about myself. I had to make jokes about people. I had to crack. You're protecting yourself. I was protecting myself big time because I like I was sensitive to certain things, things that I would think were unfair. Hmm. So. Um, I would, uh, I, I would get very, very witty, very, so I would humiliate you verbally. If you came at me, mm-hmm. the only recourse you had against me was physical, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I got super mouthy. <laughs> wow. And, and it was just, I'll tell you the truth, but I'm going to humiliate you with the truth. Hmm. You know? So who was God? Because God is kind of like your dad's job. And like, or was he like, you know, your dad's job is talking about God. Mm -hmm. Who was he to you? I don't think I had a real concept of who God was other than the fact that he was like, I think you've put it well, it was my dad's job. One of the benefits of, of my dad being the Dean of the School of Theology and being heavily involved with the theology department was the, um, was the retreats that we would have to that we would get to go to with the students. You mm-hmm. know, so we had these theology retreats at the beach. And dad was very involved. He loved teaching. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that I, I I picked up on. I was like, that 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 looks cool. Mm-hmm. Like the teaching looks cool. You know? Students would come over to the house and they would talk with dad. Um they would take exams. You know, oddly enough, my dad was perceived as a very tough teacher, but he was a very compassionate teacher. Like, he did everything in his power to help you, mm-hmm. but he wasn't going to just, like... Do the work for you. Yeah, no, no, no. So, if you couldn't take an exam or something, I, I remember guys coming over to my house and taking exams on my on my living, on my my living dining room uh, table mm-hmm. and because they couldn't make it. And dad, you know, being very compassionate about that. But if you didn't measure up, sorry, like, I'm going to flunk you. You know, I, I got no choice, you know. Was he pretty compassionate with you, like, as he was training and raising you? And did you... Dad was very... um, Not compassionate. Dad, he always told me, you have talent, and he pushed me. Dad never... He never let up on me. Not in an abusive way. Right. But it's like, you're smart. You're not a dummy. So I remember these... uh, I remember the one thing that my dad would do with me because, again, I don't speak Espanol, Mm -hmm. right? Is um, when I when we came back and this was for second grade. So when am I seven, eight years old? Mm-hmm. You know, um, the teachers, the local teachers there in Peru, didn't want to have me in second grade because I didn't understand the language. Right, and they were like, "He needs to go back to first grade." And my mom's like, "No, he's already done first grade in America." Yeah, but this is Peru. I don't care. It's your job. And then the principal of school said, "Yeah, no, this is your job. Like, you need to help this kid out. You mm-hmm. can't just like what because he doesn't understand span. What? No." Mm-hmm. Um. So they, in order for me to surpass that and in order for me to learn language, my my dad and my mom were very strict about writing. Like I had to practice writing at home. And this is script, bro. This is not, like in Peru, it's old school script right. writing, okay? Handwriting. Um, and by the end of a couple of months of effort, or I don't remember how long it was, but I was like the script boy. I was a calligraphy boy. I was in charge of calligraphy in my classroom. Because my parents pushed me for that. Uh, stuff like that. So Eddie and I were talking about our growing up, and even though our families, you know, we're not from the same countries. Right. We were kind of resonating with the fact that appearances 
mean a lot for Hispanic people. Yeah. And because we get to America and we feel some kind of way about ourselves. Right. And so we need to because in in Peru, you tell me if I'm wrong, there's not very there's not a middle class. There's poor people and then there's there's rich people and the poor people if they get some money they want to seem like they're in that upper class. And it seems like when 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 we're here we looked somewhat down on ourselves and but we want to seem like no we can run with these white people did you ever feel any of that like insecurity um i don't think uh, I, I my experience is that in peru we did have a middle class when i was growing up okay so there were there was definitely rich people uh-huh. i i went to school with some of those kids that were like nike's and yeah you know then there was middle class people, and then there was definitely poor. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I knew people and, and classmates that didn't have the same amount of uh, stuff that I had, right? So I, I think we were a middle class. We're a middle class family. You know, both my parents work in the Adventist organization. Yeah, we're not rich right. by any means. We're not wealthy people. Right, but we've. And we've seen hard times just because of general, you know, economic outturn in Peru or downturn in yeah. Peru for early nineties. Um, but even then, you know, it was we we hung out. So, but there is what you're describing this this image um, conscious. I think mm-hmm. that's that's the that's the it's it's very image conscious in many many ways. Um, and I remember that growing up, um, uh, there was always the idea that. I had I was whiter than the other kids, so there was a little there's a class that's already established in Peru, like you know, um, in which you are if if you're not as dark as mm-hmm. you're okay. Like if you have a little bit of European in you, ah, está bien, you know, versus those who are not. That's that's the way I grew up, and mm-hmm. so the added benefit I had is that I spoke this language. That hmm. nobody else did. So you were a little better because you spoke English. Of course. You know, and especially in high school that kicked in. You know, because in high school we had some transfer kids that would speak English. They, they went to high school. Mm-hmm. So we had a little click of only us English-speaking kids. And my parents were very keen on me keeping English because I didn't want to speak English anymore because I was, you know, I was made fun for it. Porque mi español era bien americano. Mm-hmm. And here's this brown-looking kid, que habla como gringo. Mm-hmm. Like, what is up with this kid? Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to speak English anymore. And my mom and my dad were, like, very insistent. And I'm very thankful for what they did. Mm-hmm. And that my dad, I remember telling me one day, he's like, they mock you today, but you will make a fun of them tomorrow. <laughs> he's like, don't lose this. And they pressed me. They pressed me. And eventually, I figured out how to make money off that. Speaking yeah. English. Oh, yeah. English. I, I started translating and doing everybody's English homework. <laughs> Did you guys have English classes? Yeah, in we Peru? had English classes in Peru. So I started doing everybody's English homework and I charged them money for it. So I started making money off my talent of like, oh, I speak English. Great. Now, I wasn't smart with my money. I'd like spend it in snacks and stuff, you know, in the local little uh-huh. school store. And then I had to get really smart because I had to adapt to my market because um, the English teacher figured out, you know, Bill, Huang, you know, yeah. he's, he's a dummy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he can't get an A in English. So I had to like adapt the work to like, so if I do, I was doing Huang's homework. Yeah. I would do Huang's homework. Yeah. You make it a little dumber. Yeah. I dumb it down. <laughs> you know, I make it dumber. And, and, and the teacher 
he he suspected, but he never really caught on that I was actually doing my classroom's homework. (laughs) (laughs) So I kept English that way. And so when in high school, these kids, these transfer kids moved in, Mm -hmm. we had a click and we were cooler than everybody because, you know, we listened to boys to men. (laughs) (laughs) I love boys to men. Right. And and we listened to Mariah Carey and the Casey Kasem (laughs) show. I know, go for it. Like yeah. seriously, this is like I look back at like that's ridiculous. But that's you know, we were a little whiter, not as dark. That that's that's the word. We were not as dark as uh-huh. we spoke English. And I don't know about my my peers in this group, but definitely I had a, f- a feeling of superiority. Hmm. And so this was a little bit of the recovery of like I was bullied in middle school, but now high school has kicked in and it's a little better. Mm-hmm. It's not as bad because now I'm mouthier, mm-hmm. wittier, and I speak English. So you're feeling pretty good about yourself. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. So through high school, like, what what was the plan? You're in high school and you're headed to college. What do you want to take? What do you want to do? Um, um, great question. I don't even know where you went to college. I'm excited to find out. Uh, <laughs> I was going to do anything but theology. Because again, I've seen it with my dad. I think teaching is cool, but nah, bro, that's that, that's not the life for me. Hmm. Um, I'm gonna do. I want to do all sorts of things: architecture, psychology. I want to be an FBI agent. I wanted to be. Did you think? Did you think you were pretty intelligent? I knew I was smart, but I was lazy as lazy can be. Yeah. So it it was it the problem of like oh I can I can do this and I wouldn't study. Yeah. And I'd I'd get like a a B minus. Did you like school? I liked school, but it was like I liked learning. Yeah. And once I figured it out, I'm like, okay, next thing. And I didn't study it again. And there were certain classes that I really appreciated. If the teacher was good, smart, Uh cool, man, Mm -hmm. I did good. If the teacher was lame, Mm -hmm. I was like, ugh, what a waste of my time. Yeah, Yeah. I don't want to be here. Whatever. So that was me in high school. Uh So it was like yeah, this, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like a wave. It was no consistency in, right. in effort. And my parents, that I also have to thank my mom and my dad. They never were like, you know, they never made me feel bad for not quote unquote living up to the potential. Um, for example, I had my buddy, one my my best friend in in high school. Mm-hmm. He would show up with an A minus to his house, <laughs> and his mom would tell him, "Da da 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 da, you need to get an A." Like, she wouldn't congratulate him for an A-. minus. That was unacceptable. And maybe that's why he makes a lot more money. (laughs) (laughs) And so my mom was like, "Eh, you can do better. Hmm. You know, no flunk. I could not flunk a class, though. That was unacceptable. My parents knew we were smart. And so they held us to the standard of our intelligence. Yeah. And so they're like, nah. Yeah. No, you know you can do better yeah. than that. That was my mom. And so um if if like there there was a certain age where my mom stopped killing me about math. Yeah. Because her, math wasn't her favorite subject. And my dad is amazing at math, is amazing at science, is amazing at everything. Uh-huh. But my mom saw like my sister right. loved math, good at math, and she saw that I wasn't really digging it. And so she kind of let off and she's like, okay, just keep doing your best. But you do have, you're very intelligent. You're very this, you're very that. So I can relate to that. That was my mom. My mom was like, she figured out that I, they gave me a math tutor and me and my buddy went to this math tutor. She was one of the students in the, in the, in the dorm, one of the girls in the dorm. She was really good at math and she ended up being a math teacher. And her thing was, 
she she would tell my mom, Harold gets it like quickly, way quicker than my buddy. Mm-hmm. She's like, I don't have to teach him twice. He gets the concept. He gets it. But that's his problem. He gets it so quick. Then he's like, okay, I'm done. Next thing. Mm-hmm. So by high school, I was liking biology, physics. I was liking other stuff, literature, history. I love those classes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said, okay, medicine. I was going to be a doctor. You know, mm-hmm. I, I narrowed it down eventually. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to Montemorelos. Like go to Mexico. Mexico, Montemorelos. There's an Adventist university there that teaches medicine because in those days in Lima, there was no Adventist university teaching medicine. Mm-hmm. And God forbid that you go to a non-Adventist university to study anything. Yeah. God forbid. Yeah. So, um, and we had, I had a lot of my friends. I had a couple of cousins that had immigrated to, em- immigrated, emigrated, moved Let's just use the word move. <laughs> to Mexico. <laughs> they have moved to Mexico. I have family actually, a lot of family in Mexico, mm-hmm. and um, and they uh, they were they were there in Montemorelos, you know, doing medicine, mm-hmm. and, and so they would come back, and it was kind of like it was interesting because here's a small campus, mm-hmm. all of us are buddies, you know, all of our parents work together, and the ones that have left and come back for like vacation time mm-hmm. or for like the the, the holidays, they're like heroes. You know, it's like, whoa, like they left and they're making it out there in Mexico. You know, they 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 got out hmm. like, you know, and it's not like you're struggling and suffering on this like Adventist campus in Peru. Like, right. Life life isn't bad here. Mm-hmm. OK, it's it can be a little rough socially, but mm-hmm. it's not like you're destitute. Right. But you want to get out. It's like, you know, so I wanted to get out like like my cousin Lucho. You know, he's like, whoa, you know, and that guy today, he's like he's like one of the. One of the prime guys in the in the um, health ministry in Mexico, like mm. literally, he goes. He represents Mexico in the United Nations. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah. So Lucho made it, you know. But when he was out there, we were like, I want to make it like Lucho, you know. And so um, I I lined everything up to go to Mexico, and my mom was like, Okay, if you think, you know, si tú crees, mijito, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she was like, If you think, because their semesters are different. Mm-hmm. They they start school like we start here in the United States. We mm-hmm. start school like August, mm-hmm. and Peru starts their uh s- their school year like in March. Hmm. So there's there's a a semester, right? right. Mom said, if you think that you're just going to be goofing around for a semester, that's not going to happen. You're going to go register to our university. You're going to take some classes, mm-hmm. and then when August comes, you can go to Mexico. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay. So I register for nursing. Right to take some because in in Peru the system. Let me give you a little bit of background. It's like in Peru, you don't just go to college. You have to like take a a written exam that allows you to get into college. And oh in, wow! And in order to take that written exam, you go to what is called an academy, which is a three month process or whatever amount of time process that will prepare you for the admissions exam to university. Okay. Okay. So obviously the Adventist campus has that. Mm-hmm. I went to that three months to prepare for the admissions test. Mm-hmm. All right. And I registered as a nursing student. Hmm. Okay. And I remember like, okay, I'll do nursing. And then I'm like, oh man, nursing, that's a bunch of it's a bunch of girls in one class. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. Because in Peru, 95% of the students in nursing are women right. to this day. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like a quote unquote girl's career. Right. You know, guys don't study nursing. They right. study medicine. Right. Right. But since I wasn't going to stay there, and then I thought, you know what? We have this very strong intramural program to this day, mm-hmm. intramural program in the university campus. It's 
big. It's huge. It's about a month long during April where we celebrate like the anniversary of the university. And it's a big party, Peruvian's party, dude. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay. And you participated in it since you're in high school. Mm -hmm. And I didn't win any championships in high school. This is soccer. No, basketball. I'm a huge basketball guy. I, <laughs> I, I, I stink at soccer in Peru. Okay. okay? Um, my friends basically, you know, they exiled me to the basketball court because I was like growing now uh-huh. and I'm getting super clumsy. Uh-huh. So they're like, get out of here. Go play, you know, go play basketball. That's what you tall people do. That's funny. <laughs> so I said, all right, I'm going to play one semester with my homies in theology because hmm. all my homies were doing theology and they had a good team. I'm going to play on that team, I'll win a championship, and then I'll go to Mexico. But that, something happened. And that's why, I, that's why I registered in theology, to play intramural sports with my friends. <laughs> I'm trying to remember <laughs> Justin Koo, his, his podcast, because he, uh, he had another whack reason for doing canvassing or something like this. And this is a... This is a Hall of Famer as a whack reason to get into theology is because of basketball. Mm-hmm. Basketball with your buddy. But Michael it? Jordan, Michael, thank you, his airness. Yeah, yeah. I influenced a, you to get into. Oh, of course. Huge Bulls fan. Huge Bulls fan. You know, huge Bulls fan. So then you just decided not to leave. You're like, oh, I'll keep going in theology. Yes, essentially. Essentially, one semester, I was like, you know. And I had some friends of mine who were speaking to me and they're like, hey, you know, you can't figure out in just one semester things. Hmm. Maybe you need to give it another semester. So hmm. I was like, okay, I'll give it another semester. And one semester turned to two and then to three. It's 10 semesters total. Um, so yeah, it's four and a half years. Five years. Five years. I'm not very smart. Five years. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you are. It's, it's Peruvian math. It's yeah, let's okay. uh, carry the one. Okay, five um, years. It's five years total for education and um, you're – you're doing theology like from day one. Whatever career you choose, you're doing it from day one. There's no major, minor, none of that nonsense. What are you going to be? You're going to be a lawyer? Okay, there's no pre-law nonsense. You're going to be a lawyer from day one. So were there other classes? Were there like yeah. like health classes and you history had, and science? Or yeah, was it all pretty much geared towards theology? It's all geared towards theology, everything. Like I had a health class because... You know, you need to take a health class so that you can preach health to people. <laughs> but, you know, well, yeah. So, like, Ooh. you know, there's a music class because pastors are like, you know, at some point you got to direct your your church into singing. But no, it's theology, straight up preaching, counseling, theology, and those were the classes that started grabbing me. Yeah, like, oh, like this is cool stuff. So I had like. One of my professors was uh, Gerald Gerald Klingbeil was a professor. He's just starting his academic career. He's uh, editor of one of our uh, Adventist magazines, the Adventist Review, and stuff like that. And um, and he was teaching Hebrew. Mm-hmm. And he was a family friend. So I started looking at these guys, mm-hmm. and I'm like, maybe this academia thing isn't that bad. But I'm still goofing off because that's what I do. College is still relatively easy, hmm. you know. And it's not that I'm a genius. It's that I put effort in the class I need to put effort into and the other classes I don't. So my GPA is horrible. And on the fifth semester <laughs> of my theological career, mm-hmm. Joel Leiva, he's one of my friends and a mentor, corners me at the student's lounge. Mm-hmm. Out of the blue, dude. Serious out of blue. It's, he's, this guy is 6'4", big Chilean guy mm-hmm. with a really deep voice. Mm-hmm. And he corners me. And he says, what are you going to do with your life? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, huh? 
nobody had ever spoken to me like that. Of like, you know, professors, anybody. Like, what are you going to do with your life? Uh, I, I teach. He's like, nah. He says, this is your GPA right now. With this GPA, you don't get a master's at Mickey Mouse University. <laughs> All right? You're smarter than that. You're more intelligent than that. You're way talented than that. You're wasting your talent. So from now on, your GPA is this. These are this is the like the lowest grade that you can get from now on is this. Mm-hmm. So your GPA can be semi decent, mm-hmm. so that when you graduate from here, you can actually go get a decent master's degree, and you can be the teacher that you want to be and the theologian you want to be. But for right now, you're just goofing off. Stop doing it. I'm your mentor from now on. I'm your academic advisor, and from this point on, till you graduate, you're under my supervision. And he walked away. Wow. And I was like. I guess I'm doing that. <laughs> yeah. I guess I got to get good grades now. Yeah. And so I did. So during this time, I don't know where sweet Rosie comes into the picture, but what what were you doing? Uh, what were How are you dealing with sin in your life at this point? Now you're learning about all of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But what do you do when confronted with sin? Oh, man. Sin... Sin was sin was not necessary. Like, man, you know, that's interesting because we're talking, we're we're still talking nineteen ninety something. So the the big sins are maybe about five or six years away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, because of AOL. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> you know, we. I grew up in a. I grew up very sheltered. I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, I, not sheltered. I grew up unexposed. Not sheltered, but unexposed to. The world of you know yeah. sin, pornography, and all that kind of stuff. LUST. Yeah, no, no, no. That that wasn't around necessarily. Uh-huh. There were ways, sure, and you would still get it. Yeah, right. But it wasn't as ubiquitously or as uh, affordable and available as it is today. Hundred percent. Praise the Lord that I grew up in that time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> dude. Because I have a very yeah, I, I can I can have a very addictive personality. Yeah, you know. Um, and so uh, I would deal with sin when it showed up in, in weeks of prayer. Week of prayer would come by, you know, Alejandro Bullion would preach, and I would consecrate my life. You know, I mm-hmm. wouldn't listen to any more boys to men. That's, you know, esa <laughs> es la música del diablo. Yeah, no more I'll make love to you. <laughs> no, esa es la música del diablo. You know, that's the, that's the devil's music, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and again, my parents never really, this is not from my home. Like right. I look back, my mom and my dad were never like thumping, you know, uh, Ellen White. Ellen White is a she's one of the founders of Adventism, mm-hmm. and she's a very, uh, you know, we believe as Adventists that she has uh, spiritual insight. You yeah, know, discernment, discernment, and and her writings are out there. But my my and so Adventists, some Adventists have the propensity of just thumping her books at their kids. Right, right, right. My parents never did that. But you know Alejandro Bullion would come. He's a very famous, very a very well known Adventist preacher in South America, and he would come do a week of prayer in the university campus, and it'd be like consecration or any week of prayer, consecration time, bro. Um, and leave those things behind, and don't eat this, and don't eat like that's the way I would deal with sin. Hmm. I, I I needed to put effort into not doing these things, into not cussing, into not having bad thoughts, into you know. And I had friends of mine that were doing quote-unquote worse things than me. Yeah, so you didn't have to feel too bad. I didn't feel too bad about it. But still, like, I had, you know, I wasn't that bad. Right. Because, you know, I know my buddy over there, he's studying theology, and we had this joke where we would say, well, he's in the sanctification process. (laughs) (laughs) You know? 
That is funny. Yeah, it was like he, you know, he's he, oh, you know, Jim over there. You, you know, he's he's sleeping around, right? Well, he's in the sanctification process. He's got five years to sanctify his life before he goes out into the field as a pastor. Mercy. So that like that was that was a joke, but you know that jokes that's got some realness to it. Yeah, the jokes have some realness to it. <laughs> so I'm not the guy out partying. Like I know. I have friends that are in theology that are out Friday night partying, mm-hmm. you know. I'm not doing that stuff. No. One, because my dad's the president or the vice president. That would be horrible on him. Mm-hmm. And two, like consequences keep me in line. I'm scared of the consequences. I want to do the stuff that they're doing, hmm. but I'm scared of the consequences. Consequences on me, consequences on my family, consequences right. on my mom. I don't want to bring shame and disrepute to my parents. It wasn't a pure heart. It was no, fear of getting busted. Gosh, yes. Because I would fan, like if I, I would I would sit down and think like if there were no consequences to this, 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 and I would actually map out all the consequences that would come, I'd be like, I'd do that. Mercy. If I would have a superpower, I would be like, no this, no this, no this, no this, no this, no consequences for anything. I'd go do that. Just, you know, because it looks fun. Because it sounds fun. Yeah. You know, because the escapades, like they, my buddies will tell me the escapades and it sounds fun. It sounds so alluring. Man, I, I feel like uh, we have a similar background, similar families. Because mm, I know that really. that's something. Yeah, we weren't going to do it. But I wanted to hear the stories. Yeah, vicariously yeah. live through the I remember in college when I was here at Union, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would hear about what my friends were doing. I'm like, that's crazy. And I wanted them to keep telling me. Yeah, yeah. What, what, else, what else happened? Yeah. Because I wasn't going to do it because my, my family is very, you know, this. Right, right, right. But it had this appeal. and But then I would stand pretty high and mighty because I didn't do it. Of course. And I would look down on them a little bit, yeah. but not, not too much so that they would know. Right, right. Like, I, I'm not like Jim, but... Uh, you yeah, know, you know, like there's this look that you give them, and that you're kind of better, right? But you, you, you secretly want, yeah, you want to try, you want to try, you want to taste, yeah, you want a taste of the life that they're having, right? Because it looks so much fun, and here you are, you know, being goody two shoes because you're scared of the consequences, and that's how I dealt with sin, mm-hmm. you know. So I was getting good grades. Um, I was now I was presenting like in international symposiums, mm-hmm. uh, theological symposiums, of presenting papers. I'm like getting super nerdy about this, you know. I'm like, there is the exegetical process that requires, uh-huh. you know, like blah 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 blah. Uh-huh. And and so now my mind is okay. I'll be an academician. Mm-hmm. I'll, I I will go to Andrews. I'll get a master's and a PhD. I'll come back to Peru, and I will be like my father. I'll be like my dad. This is around my senior year of theology. And this is where my wife shows up. My 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 Rosie shows up. What, what, is she Peruvian? No, she's from Ecuador. Okay. Uh, her mom literally put her on a bus because she <laughs> – my mother-in-law. <laughs> my mother-in-law literally put Rosie on a bus to Peru. And if you ever interview her in one of these podcasts, she can tell you the story. But uh, she put her on a bus – Literally to get her away from a boyfriend because my mother-in-law thought she's gonna marry this man. No, I don't, I don't. she didn't want anything to do with this guy and my and my wife and 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 her daughter. Sounds like a Hispanic lady. Yes, so she put her on a bus, sent her to the university in Peru to study something. <laughs> <laughs> 
Little did she know. Uh, she's a, she, she's much younger than you? No, she's not much younger, but academically she's a freshman and I'm a senior. So this is there's a four-year gap, mm-hmm. five-year gap, four, four-year gap yeah. between us, you know. Um, but we're only three years in, in age difference. Right. But, you know, in college, it's always like, oh, he's a senior and she's a freshman. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but at this point, I'm, I'm figuring out that I want to be an academician. So mm-hmm. I'm presenting these papers in like South American international symposiums, Adventist symposiums, right, theological right, right. symposiums. And I'm starting to rub elbows with, with guys that come from the BRI. The BRI is the Biblical Research Institute. It's mm-hmm. kind of like the academic branch of the Adventist church. Mm-hmm. And since my dad is known by these cats because these cats and my dad went to Andrews, the university at the same time and they graduated and some of them were like my dad knows these people right so i'm kind of writing the coattails of my father's academic prowess mm-hmm. trying mm-hmm. to make a name for myself in many ways but thinking that I'll, I'll do it right so pastoring is still not in the cards for me dude that's not what i'm gonna do i am where i like i would go out and do practicums because mm-hmm. in peru as a theology student from your second year to your fifth year you're thrown into the wolves mm-hmm. like Go do ministry. Mm-hmm. So they'll literally send you to a local church as a student, and you spend the weekend there. Hmm. <laughs> That's yeah. it. And some pastors will be like, great, assistant pastor. You're on. Bye. Yeah. I'm going to take care of the other 10 churches I got. You take care of this one. Don't ruin it. That's all I'm asking you to do. Don't ruin it. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> don't mess it up. Mm-hmm. You should be fine, kid. Um, so uh, I don't want to do that life. That life's not for me. Right. This whole past. No, no, no. I'm going to be an academic. Clean. Uh-huh. Academics, you know, it's a clean life. You stay in the campus. It's comfortable. Uh-huh. I don't want to do the uncomfortable stuff of pastoring, dealing with all the politics in the church. Nah, bro. <laughs> nah, that's, that's no. Ooh. Mercy, right? Right? Mercy. Yeah. And Jesus was like, oh, mijo. <laughs> So you run into to this lady. I run into this and lady. And you're just like, she's 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 cute. Mm, actually, no. <laughs> no, I did not think my wife was cute. No, no, no. I I had sworn off women. I had I had I had my heart broken mm-hmm. before I met her. Mm-hmm. I got played hard. I got played by another gal. We played. Mm-hmm. Like she was she was good. Mm-hmm. She was dating a buddy of mine, and neither my buddy or I knew that she was letting me on. Oh no! <laughs> she played us. Anyways, long story short, I was like, "No women." I'm just going to dedicate myself my senior year to fully study. And uh-huh. at this point, I'm coming also to the realization that it's a privilege for me to study theology, right? Because I had a like fifth. So the starting the freshman class that I began theology with mm-hmm. in 1997, 55 of us. Continuously, only five left for senior year. Hmm. So that's continuously five years, not flunking classes, not dropping because there's financial issues, right, 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 right. none of that. Only five of us left, Richard, mm-hmm. of that 55 freshman class. Right. There's only five left at senior. Mercy. And so it hit me that this was a privilege. Yeah. Because I had good friends that dropped off because they didn't have money to pay for tuition. Right. And guess who's paying for my tuition? Your, your daddy. My dad. That's paying for my tuition. Uh-huh. Now, I have a job teaching ESL, mind you. Uh-huh. I got a job teaching ESL, and it gave me money for other stuff. Uh-huh. But my school bill? That's yeah. mom and dad. Yeah. 
they pay my school bill. Mm -hmm. And when I saw how much the school bill was, I was like, wow, I've been squandering this Mm -hmm. because it literally is a privilege. Mm -hmm. And so that helped me. And I'm like, all right, senior year, I'm going to fully dedicate myself, straight A's, nothing more than that. Mm -hmm. And no nonsense, no sinning, nothing. I'm going (laughs) to- No sinning. No sinning, man. We're going to go straight. Straight and narrow. Straight and narrow, bro. And I meet this gal. Uh-huh. And I meet her on a Wednesday night. And she was like, that's a whole other story. We can get into it some other time. But uh-huh. I meet her on a Wednesday night. And she did not qualify because she was Ecuadorian. <laughs> you racist, bro. Uh, yeah, no, I was. Massively. Uh-huh. I, I have no qual- Like, I've had to reckon with that recently. Uh-huh. And how racist I was. Wow. How nationalistic I was. How I looked down to people from other nations just because they're not Peruvian. Especially Ecuadorians, Bolivians, and Chileans. It is terrible. <laughs> Especially Ecuadorians. Right. But because we have this history, we have this stupid history, nationalistic history of like wars with these other countries, right? So you don't marry them. Like you barely befriend them if you have to. Mercy. I know. It's it's pretty, you know. But so you being interested in this girl eventually was like well, rubbing up against what you really believed about yourself? Of course. Listen, it was this, this, is, this is how bad it was. And this is God's sense of humor. When I was 16... We had a little skirmish between Peru and Ecuador in our borders, mm-hmm. right? And you know how they have these flag – most Adventist campuses have these flagpoles and during certain times of the year. They you know, took the flag down? I did. You did? I did. I did. <laughs> I did. I was so Peruvianly proud that in the middle of a skirmish, a war of skirmish between our both countries, I went to the flag plaza. There's a Peruvian flag right here, right? And an Ecuadorian flag. And oh. an American flag. There's three flags hanging in my office now. Yeah. Right? So um, it's, uh, I went to the flag post. Uh-huh. I lowered the Ecuadorian flag and I threw it to the ground. It's not my proud moment. I was a 16-year-old punk. Wow. Yeah. That's how bad. And I was proud of it. I was proud of how I was standing for my country. Because how dare these people hmm. on an Adventist campus. Yeah. That's crazy. Right? Like the nation the level of pride and nationalism hmm. of like how dare you. So here I am meeting this gal. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of okay with Ecuadorians now. I have Ecuadorian friends. Mm-hmm. But this gal is Ecuadorian and then the Ecuadorian girls that would come to the university to to study because they would come from Ecuador. Mm-hmm. They would always be very very cliquish mm-hmm. and they wouldn't hang out with anybody else other than themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, you think why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah bunch of idiots like myself yeah. on campus that's yeah. why yeah but rosie was different uh-huh. she started hanging out with everybody and i was like okay she's different uh-huh. and there was this other gal nastia she was another friend of mine that came before rosie like i don't know four or five years she was also like that she was yeah. ecuadorian and she was the one that was like i think she was the first time that i i, I kind of like well maybe not all ecuadorians are bad right I'll give some of them a chance. Uh, yeah, maybe. some of them, you know, deserve a chance. And, and I started having those thoughts about people, but the one country that always got a pass was always Argentina. You know why? Light skin. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Chileans would get a, a pass, but there are enemies. So it's like, it's a, such a weird, that's the way my brain used to operate. So I, I met her. We started becoming friends. She's cool. And then I started noticing she's cute. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, incidentally, this girl is yeah. cute. And lo and behold, um, I, yeah, I, we started dating. So let's uh, let's move a little forward here. Yeah, when yeah, yeah. do you get your first 
okay, you and Rosie get married. How long were you together before you got married? We were married. Uh, we got married. Um, f- uh, she had to go through school, so five years. So you guys were dating for five years? Yeah, we dated five years. Three of those years were long distance. I was in Farmington, New Mexico. That was my first pastoral post. So you went from Peru, graduated theology, yep. and now you're going to be a pastor. You didn't want to be a pastor, but, but now you had to. I had to because I needed a job. See, I graduated. Uh, I, I graduated magna cum laude from my class, class mm-hmm. graduating class of fifteen. I didn't get a call in Peru, and I didn't get a call because I had the wrong last name. What, what? So politics, church politics, and this like this is just the way it is. Like there was there was a blow up between my my dad and the the like the the you it was just a blow up Mm -hmm. so it ended up affecting me because i had the wrong last name i had my dad's last name and my dad didn't do anything wrong he just stood up for principle Mm -hmm. probably in the non-smart whatever it is but he stood up for principle Mm -hmm. and that that got him fired from the university he yeah they removed him from his uh, position as president so what did did he do after that he went back to teaching he was like okay great give me the classroom again at the same school? At the same school. Okay. That's my that's my old man. He's like, okay, I'll go back to teaching. That's humility, bro. It is massive humility. And for him, it's like, okay, whatever. I'm going back to teaching. Because ultimately, that was always his passion. He always kept at least one class in his administrative duties. He never dropped the class. It was always either Daniel or Pentateuch. Those were his classes. And to this day, he's an emeritus professor. Those are his classes. Daniel, Pentateuch. That's it. So, um... At that time, like I graduated, uh-huh. I didn't get a call. I got some weird calls, long story short. So I stayed a whole year teaching ESL uh-huh. on that campus. And I picked up a class of like Christian doctrines. And I needed a job. I uh-huh. needed some resources to get to Andrews. Uh-huh. So this to get your MDiv, that was a goal, right? Right. To get my MDiv or my MA, whatever. So I gotta I gotta I gotta do it somehow. And this opportunity showed up of many opportunities to come to America. During that year, mm-hmm. the one that pans out is the one in Farmington, New Mexico. They said a Spanish church. I said, okay, I'll go pastor a Spanish church in Farmington, New Mexico, the Pinion Hill Seventh-day Adventist Church. And I was like, I land in Farmington, and I was like, why am I here? And you're all by yourself? Of course. I'm all by myself. It's a small town. I'm coming from a nine million population city wow. to farmington new mexico no disrespect to anybody listening in farmington of course <laughs> it's smaller farmington's got like a total population san juan county is about a hundred thousand people so farmington is just a small town which yeah. i loved by the time i left incidentally mm-hmm. but the first time i'm landing there i'm like everything is back home what, I, what are you what are you preaching nonsense probably. <laughs> <laughs> no i'm i'm preaching i'm preaching my theological training hmm. i'm preaching my theological training my Pentateuch training, my Daniel training, my biblical backgrounds training. I am preaching scholarly sermons to a Spanish church plant. That was not specified. Yeah. <laughs> I I literally went to the church. I walked into the room, and there's like eight people in a small room. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. So what kind of hope was there? In your, what, what did you want people walking away from your message? I didn't even think of that, Richard. I huh. just, I was like, okay, well, here. I got to get through a sermon. So this, this is, this I, is the beginning. Yeah, this gotta, is the middle, mm-hmm, and this is an end. Yeah, uh, here it is. Uh, let me educate you. Let me educate you, because you guys are like, you know, you're uneducated, and they were. They, these are humble people. 
there and not not that if you're not educated you're not proud because you know you can you can be uneducated and proud mm-hmm. and you can be educated and proud hmm. but I guess these are working class immigrants hmm. undocumented immigrants hmm. right right so I'm educating them let let's let let's educate you. Let me educate you in theology. Let me educate you. So you felt like you 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 knew your stuff, though. I yeah, you know, I, I got training in the one of the best theology schools in 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 South America. The Peru, I knew the small groups thing, the initiatives, all that stuff. I knew it bottom to right, bottom to top, left yeah, to right. Yeah. I knew it in and out. Like I got this. I got this. So you're pretty confident. I'm pretty confident, but I'm mad depressed. <laughs> For six months, I wanted to go back home. So is what year is this? This is 2003. So I land in January 2003. I have a girlfriend back home that I've semi-broken up with because I got nothing to offer this girl. Like literally, I got nothing to offer her. So I, so we kind of made an, an agreement of if you find somebody else, I'm not going to hold it against you. You know. Now, she thought that I was going to find somebody immediately because in her mind, all women – in America are Pamela Anderson's. <laughs> that's that's her mind, you know? It's yeah. like, oh, he's going to go find somebody that's going to be beautiful and blonde and, you know, yes. typical yeah. picture. No, that's not the case. Uh-huh. Um, and um, and I had a couple of friends that I know were staying back, and I'm like, these vultures. <laughs> yeah. And they vultured around, but it didn't work out. I was in love with her. She was in love with me, and we just stayed together, even though it was – quote-unquote open-ish relationship you know but i was mad depressed dude six months here i wanted to go back home desperately i would i would cry um i was alone i didn't have friends i was getting paid 500 bucks a month i was 500 bucks a month yeah that was it it was 500 months those were the days of task force workers so I was getting paid five hundred bucks. I would thought when I when I graduated and started working at Union, I was getting paid thirteen hundred a month, and I thought that was nothing. Five hundred a month. Five hundred. You could barely get the rice and beans going with right. That. And I I lived in people's home, like I lived in in one lady's in one couple's home, and then I lived with an, a guy that offered his house up, and he we turned up being housemates him and another guy in his house, and he offered it up just out of the goodness of his heart, not an Adventist. How guy. old are you? At this point. 24. 24. That's pretty, that's, that's the, youngish. Young. Yes. But I mean, you're, that's, I got married at 24. So, okay. So, fast forward a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She graduates. You guys are still in love. We're still in love. We're married at this point uh-huh. um, because I've, I've gone to Peru, married, um, civil wedding. And um, at this point, I get fired. Well, I don't get fired. I got let go because they quote unquote ran out of money <laughs> to fund my position. The local church said, we're out of money. And Rosie wasn't getting a visa. Mm-hmm. She got like rejected three times, even though we were married, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And I was like, okay, you know what? I guess ministry is not for me. And I felt super guilty because I didn't deserve it. Because now the internet is available. Yeah. And so now you're going through depression. Right. The internet is available. Yeah, yeah. And so you're yeah. preaching these messages and yeah. you don't want to preach anything too crazy because you're dealing with stuff in your own life. Well, dealing with stuff with my own life. And I'm, it's not that I want to preach anything too crazy because I don't know anything too crazy. I'm reading the words in the Bible. I'm giving you the good Bible stories of repentance and you know combating sin and dying daily and, and all that stuff because that's what I know. 
Right. You know, that's that's my experience with the book, and I'm just going to struggle every day. Yes, God is there. He loves you. But now that I'm getting, quote unquote, let go from ministry, I'm thinking, I deserve that. Because I, I, I'm not I'm not a good worker. Yeah, because of whatever you were looking at that you shouldn't have been looking uh, at. Of course, and I'm acting out in ways that I shouldn't act out, and I'm doing... So, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a good worker. So, I deserve to be let go from this privileged job. And the circumstances are speaking for themselves. So, so, so what was next? What was next? I was going to go back to Peru. I was going to be a tour guide and sell Herbalife. You were going to be a tour guide, sell Herbalife? What? Herbalife. You know Herbalife? Oh, like the... Yeah. What is that, a pyramid scheme? Like a... I, we don't need to get into that. <laughs> there's a lot of people out there that sell Herbalife life and they love it. Okay. So I'm not, not going to poo poo what they do, but, but that's what you were going to do. I was, uh, yeah, I was going to do Herbalife um, and be a tour guide. We're gonna, I'm going to live in my parents' home because my parents were like, just come back. Hey home. man, living in your parents' home, don't knock it till you try it. I've done it the last three years. <laughs> listen. So, and mom or dad, mom and dad were like very gracious. They uh-huh. were like, listen, we get it. That's life. It's hard. And sometimes you just got to come back home, you know. So um, I did, and uh, mom and dad, you know, that was a plan. How, how did you talk to your wife about the things that you were dealing with, or did that did that conversation? No, never come up? that conversation never came up. At that point in our marriage, uh, yeah, it was pretty early on, right? It's pretty early on. We're civil wedded, you know. What does that mean, civil wedding? Like you well, go to the courthouse? Or yeah, something in like Peru, that? you have in Peru. There is no way that you can get married in a church before you go do a courthouse or the or a city hall. If you do not do the city hall ceremony, you're not married. Doesn't matter a thousand times married in a church, literally. Okay. So it's not like the pastor signs a deal. No, 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 no. no. There's got to be a legal person that does that. That's when you're married. So you did that, but you didn't have a wedding? No, we didn't have a a church wedding we didn't have because I was going to come back here and we were like, oh, let's start the immigration process. So she got denied three times. And then the day that the embassy called her back and said, hey, we've made a mistake. We'd like to see you again because I had a lawyer and it was just a whole drama. It's, mm-hmm. That's at least another conversation. We need to go there. Yeah. I, she's like, hey, I got an interview. And I'm like, great. I lost my job. Oh, no. <laughs> so we were like, we figured it out. Let's go back home. We'll figure it out. We'll be fine. So I sold everything I had, dude, because uh-huh. I deserve to be fired from ministry because I'm not good enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guilt. Sure. Lots of guilt. And for that, like I had been, I, I interviewed with a conference and it was such a bad interview that I like literally drove uh, to that place and then I, I just parked my car on the side of the road and I was crying because I, I, I botched this interview and that was my chance and God was punishing me and I literally pray Kill me now, Father, because I'm not better than my ancestors. Like Elijah's prayer. I'm, I know. I'm so like, kill me now, Lord, because I am not better than my ancestors. You know? And every time there was an opportunity to preach, like in an English church somewhere else, mm-hmm. I would grasp onto that. And I would like, this is, mm, this is my chance, you know? And if it didn't pan out, the guilt, and I deserved it. I deserve this because you know what? I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Wow. Yeah. So I sold everything. Everything, everything, everything that I owned, I sold. The 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 the, the, the two chairs in, in one plate. <laughs> you know? I oh. sold everything. I moved in with my buddy Zeb for one month, because I'm gonna go to Peru. Bought a one way ticket. And um two weeks before two to three weeks before I hop on that plane, I get a phone call from a one conference. Uh, the Minnesota conference, which is, you mm-hmm. know, a region in Minnesota that has that employs Adventist pastors, and 
they talked with me and I was like, wow, I, you know, that's okay. Yes. And they said, give us a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to do some, because we don't know you. Literally, I didn't graduate from any American school. Mm-hmm. I'm some schlub from Peru. Mm-hmm. That's all I am. Like, mm-hmm. nobody knows who I am. And then the Rocky Mountain Conference was in Colorado. They called me like the next day and they said, come up, interview. We want to interview you for a job, a part-time position up in the in the mountains in Colorado. Long story short, they offered me the gig. You didn't go back to Peru then? I did go back to Peru because I told them, I got a one-way ticket. I literally have to hop on that plane next week. What do you guys want me to do? So they said, go. What are you going to do there? I said, well, there's a wedding that I have to attend. My <laughs> own my own wedding. Because yeah. we were still planning to get married. Uh-huh. You know, uh, you know. And they said, okay, well, go. Get married. Come back January 15. Job's still yours. Of course, they saved salary. I get, I get to go back. Win-win. Total win-win. Yeah, wow. You know? So what did you think now? You're like, maybe God loves me. Yes, maybe God loves me. Maybe his mercy has been. So I'm not going to screw this one up. Gonna stay away. I'm gonna stay away from that stuff. Gotta stay away. And since I'm married now, <laughs> that'll be the answer. Yeah, it'll be the answer because I'm married now, right? And I'm gonna stay away from all the bad things. The bad things are gonna go away, and I'm gonna do my best. I am. I am. Because re- God's mercy. Look at this. Three conferences. Because when I came back from the interview in Denver, I had a phone call at my buddy's house mm-hmm. of another conference saying, "Hey, come down and interview." Mercy. So three. Right? So now God loves you. And, God loves and me. And now you got a new lease on I got a new lease victory on, over sin. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm a I, I'm a darn good worker. I guess I am a good worker. <laughs> Look at that. And uh so we got married, went down to Peru, got married in Ecuador, goodbye, goodbye, packed our bags, flew into America, landed, drove our car from Denver to Leadville, a little you know, nineteen eighty nine Honda Accord with two boxes of our stuff. <laughs> It was awesome, dude. It was so good, man. The memories and uh, and this was a it was a good district. It was a sweet district up in the mountains. My very first district, and I remember it with so much fondness. The people were beautiful. Mm-hmm. They were awesome. We didn't get along necessarily at first with some of them, but by the end of it. it so was, what are you preaching now? Same thing, but but maybe it's just a little progressed into like okay, so maybe God does love you and He does give you leases of life and and you can you can overcome. You just gotta really you gotta put in the effort, man. You know, uh-huh. you gotta do that daily devotional and you'll be fine. You know, it's gonna. I've be, heard those. I've heard yeah, those sermons. You know, I'm preaching that, which is not necessarily bad. It's not like you're preaching heresy, but it's the okay news it's 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 limited you know it's like it's all set up for you to have availability Mm. to be free yes like freedom is something that could happen you have the chance because jesus died on the cross one day it might yeah just keep at it yeah essentially from there i go to the seminary and in the seminary is where a friend of mine so rocky mountain sponsors you yeah rocky say, mountain says hey no, we love good. you yeah so when they did that because i remember the like the president said harold we need to talk and i'm like oh no oh no i'm i i i know i have fallen oh no mm-hmm. you know and i'm so scared because like the president wants to talk to you you got a fear thing going on back then huh? i uh, massively and I was like, I cleansed my life as much as I could for the two weeks leading up to that meeting. Mercy. Because I'm like... So God will smile on you. So he will smile at me again. Please, don't fire me. We've got something going on. And, and in two years, I, 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 I could save enough money. I can go to Andrews and I'll be the... the like, I promise. I'll do good. I'll do good, you know? And the president is so casual. He's like, oh, yeah. Because we were up at a, at a pastor's retreat, whatever. And he's like, I said, uh, 
well, Brower, you wanted to, you wanted to meet me? And he's like, oh, yes. Um, hey, seminary, um, we're thinking we want to send you. And I, I started crying because it was my dream to go to the seminary. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like, I still get emotional. About yeah, it yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, here's this, here's this guy from Peru nobody knows. And you're sponsoring me to go to the seminary uh-huh. to get my master's degree at Andrews. Like, wow. Yeah. And I'm just crying. And he's like, so I said, so the, the, the summer program? Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, no, no. Pack your stuff. Go to Berrien Springs for two years and then come back. Hmm. And I'm just like amazing. And I told my mom and she's crying. She's like, bless that man. You know, uh-huh. just got super emotional because yeah. it's like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we went and in the seminary, I'm enjoying, again, same pattern. I'm enjoying the classes with the really good professors, uh-huh. the theology classes, the ones that are not that good. I'm like, Ugh, what a waste of my time. Yeah. And it is in the seminary that I meet a friend of mine that asks me one of the most profound questions that I've been asked. And I was like, Harold, do you know the gospel? Why was he asking you this? Because I didn't know the gospel. We were having some conversation, some theological debate, and he just stops in the middle of his, Harold, do you know the gospel? Uh-huh. And I'm like, what type of a dumb question? Of course I know the gospel. And he says, do you? Yeah. Why don't I tell you the gospel, man? Uh-huh. And he opened up his Bible, and he walked me through the gospel. Which was definitely an upgrade, or I had not understood up to that point mm-hmm. of what it was. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the? What? What? You? So he died? Like, for the first time, I was like, he died for me. Mm-hmm. And he loves me. Mm-hmm. Kind of, mm-hmm. you know? But it was just a different approach that I've had all my life. And I was like, wow. Well, someone listening to this is just like, wait, wait, hold up, bro. You're at the seminary and you don't understand the gospel. Of course. <laughs> and you thought you understood it. What was the thing that was different when he broke it down to it you? It was personal. Hmm. Up to that point, the gospel was a concept. Hmm. It was a concept that is good. You know, Jesus died for your sins on the cross and he forgives you. If you ask nicely, kind of. And if you live out a good life, mm-hmm. if, you, if you put in a lot of effort, that's a concept. But now my friend, good friend, my love, mm-hmm. is actually explaining it in a way that it's me, for me. Hmm. Jesus didn't die for people. He died for you, mm-hmm. you know. And he had a little pamphlet that he gave me that said, you know, how can I receive life? And, you know, and had the sinner's prayer and everything. And I prayed it for the first time. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I, and I would pray it over and over sometimes mm-hmm. when i because i left the seminary i went to wyoming had nine churches over there you had a ni- there's a nine church district was they redistricted things and it, i i started with seven then i got eight and at the end of my tenure they said let's just add one more to you. <laughs> lord have mercy it was awesome i loved it uh, at first i hated it in yeah. all honesty yeah to be honest i hated it at first and then i was like this is awesome you know um, so you would get to one church every two months? Basically, it was, it was okay, so let's just go with the eight church district at first, because that's really what I had the most of my time. Yeah. It was eight churches in six different locations. So every six weeks, I would get to a church, but what we did is we live streamed. We figured out live streaming. So mm-hmm. Rosie and I became a TV evangelism couple <laughs> every Sabbath. 
Saturday. Mm -hmm. That's when Adventists go to church. Mm -hmm. Every Saturday, we would go to the one church, and we'd set up a camera. There was an internet connection and a laptop, and Rosie was my my camera director, my camera woman, mm-hmm. my program director, and we were both musicians and I would preach. So we would we would live stream from whatever church we were to the other six loca- to their five locations. Mm. And it was like a whole district roundabout. People loved it. Because people would tune in and it's like, oh, Pastor Harold is in Lander today. Oh, Pastor Harold's in Rock Springs today. Mm-hmm. Oh, Pastor Harold's in Riverton today. Pastor and that's the Riverton Church. Mm-hmm. We're we're seeing him at the Riverton Church. It was great. It was phenomenal. I loved it, dude. I, so so what are you preaching? The gospel, but the gospel of like, it's personal. This concept is now personal and it's still attainable. Well, it's so attainable. something, so leaving the seminary, this guy speaks to you, you learn a whole bunch of other stuff about yeah, yeah, yeah. how to run a church and some, Sure, I don't want to hate on the seminary. I'm sure it's very, yeah, no, I you did. learn a lot in the seminary. I loved it. I love my time. Yeah. There. 100% I love my time there. You get out, how old are you? 30. 30. 30, 31, 30. How many, and how long are you in this Wyoming district? Two years, exactly. And then you get the call up to the, to the big leagues? You get your own kind, church? Kind of the big leagues, yeah. Um, there's, this, there's this church, it's called Campion Academy. I've, I've, I've been. You've been? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, in, it's in Loveland, Denver, uh-huh. north of Denver. Um, and this is a, it's a church that has a school. Mm-hmm. It has a it has a high school. That's what Adventists call high schools academies. Yes, of course we do. <laughs> I don't know why to confuse the world. Yes, it's like we're academies. It's not high school. So Campion Academy, mm-hmm. very prestigious. It's been around for over a hundred years. Yeah, yeah, it's a great school. It's my my biggest. Uh, oh, that's right. My biggest arch rival in my life. I know Campion Academy. Campion Academy. And I love a lot. I love I love a lot of people from Campion Academy. Yeah. So it's it's cool now. But. Yeah. So, so you're you're there. You I'm get the there, call. I get the call, and this is where I am. Like, in spite of still, you know, once in a while, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, dabbling uh-huh. in. Uh-huh. Um, I'm a good worker because I've been offered the flagship. Because mm-hmm. that at the time it was kind of like the flagship pulpit of the conference of the Rocky Mount Conference. I'm not ordained. I'm in my 30s still, like 32, 31. You mm-hmm. know, wow. Mm-hmm. So this is the Lord, and, and and mind you, my progression since 2003 mm-hmm. to 2012 mm-hmm. is is meteoric, mm-hmm. right? From a from an unknown guy in a little church plant in Farmington, New Mexico. To the pulpit in Denver, mm-hmm. in Loveland. Whoa, mm-hmm. I must be doing something right. So, how did you feel about yourself then? You before you were like, "Kill me," because I'm not right. better than my ancestors. Right now, I feel pretty good. You know, I, I feel pretty good about myself. Like humble, because mm-hmm. you don't want to get too cocky. Because pride is a sin. Mm-hmm. But I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Because mm-hmm. look at me, right? And I love that job, dude. Like I jumped in, I cannonballed into that church because of the kids. Mm-hmm. I interviewed with those kids on a Friday. Mm-hmm. And I felt so at home with those kids mm-hmm. that I'm like, I'm taking this job. I interviewed with the adults on Saturday and I almost didn't take it because I'm like, no, nah, adults are whack. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Yeah, adults, that sentiment. right? Adults are whack. Yeah, I the kids were amazing though. They were, it, and it was fun. They were honest, and we just hung out. I got to coach soccer with them. Mm-hmm. I got to hang out at their games. Mm-hmm. I got to serve food every Wednesday in the cafeteria. I, I loved it. I mm-hmm. loved it. Mm-hmm. And I was feeling pretty good about myself because, look, you know, I'm doing good. There's progress in ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's still some areas of my life that I'd rather keep under wraps. Mm-hmm. But I'll, I'll get to that. 
Mm-hmm. I'll get to that. You know, he's so, working on me. Yeah, he's I'm working. in my sanctification process. Yes. One of these days, that, that, yeah. that will stop. One of these days, that will stop. My mm-hmm. wife doesn't know at this point, incidentally. Mm-hmm. You know, I've kept it under wraps very well. Mm-hmm. And it still bothers me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, it's good because I'm at this significant pulpit. And two years into that pulpit, mm-hmm. this bigger pulpit comes to call. Now, I remember this, man, because... I don't remember. Oh, now I remember who the pastor was here, and and the pastor left, and this is, this is the spot in the union, probably. Right, the union, the large, the, yeah. geographically, you know, this is the union. That's what it is. Because right? it's where the school is. Right. It's heavy influence. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And we're all wondering who who's going to be the guy, right. and it's got to be a name, right? It's got to be somebody yeah. who's preached before, who's got some experience, right? And. I remember hearing about the politics and who wanted the which person and which mm-hmm, person. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then um, I remember hearing that the people in Colorado were very sad. Yeah. That they were very sad and yeah. that we were stealing yeah. a, like an up and coming new pastor. He's kind of green. Right. But he's up and coming and the, he's kids, a golden boy. The, the kids love him. Yeah. The golden boy. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. that, that's what that's. And so. Yeah. That's a, how did, how did that hit you when, when you're like, I'm a young guy and now I'm like, this is a huge thing. I, it was a weird mixture of panic and pride. Hmm. Panic because, well, it is a big church with a multi-staff and pride because again, virtual unknown, look Mm -hmm. at me now. Mm -hmm. I'm not even, like I was barely ordained. Ordination is where pastors in the Adventist church get like the world church imprimatur of approval. Mm-hmm. So I had barely been ordained like six months before. Mm-hmm. And look at me, like I'm going to go to the big leagues now. W- what did you yeah. attribute that to? God's mercy. Yeah? God's mercy. Like, yeah, he's like... You didn't attribute to it like I'm low-key tight? I I attributed to God's mercy in overlooking mm-hmm. my defects mm-hmm. and seeing how good a worker I am. Hmm. That's that's what I like. He sees he sees the potential. He sees how good, and so he's overlooking the other things. And I'll I'm gonna be good. I'm gonna be good. This is gonna be okay, even though I don't know anything. And I warned this church. I'm like, you do realize <laughs> <laughs> that you guys probably have like 20 more people qualified for like. You do realize I've never done this. I've never done that. Like, are you sure? <laughs> are you sure? And I, and I meant that. Like, I meant that with every word of my, of every, every cell in my body was like, are you sure? Because listen. <laughs> I'm not sure if this is the same thing, but when I was a real young guy working at Union, they called me to be a principal of a school in a rural state. Mm-hmm. And I was like, listen, I'm going to be real honest with you. Mm-hmm. If you want me to be the principal of your school, then I am worried for your school. <laughs> and it's that Groucho Marx line where he says, I wouldn't want to be a member of any club that would have me. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it's a, the same thing because <laughs> you had some confidence and you've seen this, yeah. this rise. Right. And so mm-hmm. you've got, maybe I can do it. Yeah. There, for me, there was like, by God's grace, mm-hmm. I will do it. By God's grace. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll stay humble. We'll do it. It'll be by God's grace. It's going to be great. Um, and and he's overlooking things. And so when I came here to this pulpit in College U Church and Union College in Lincoln, Nebraska, 
at the same time there was a there was a sentiment of like uh, at some point it translated into oh you guys are lucky that i'm coming hmm. that i'm leaving colorado colorado the promised land right to come to nebraska Ugh. so it switched it switched at some point and so, i remember having this sentiment and i i remember this is where i meet you the first time i met you and i wanted to be and we've talked about this before <laughs> i wanted to be like my whole family is in ministry right, all right. my best friends are in ministry i went to seminary with your brother you want you you know Big Mike? Yeah. And so like I know all these people and they're all my best friends. And of so course. even though I'm not in ministry right, and I'm right. working at the school, I always want to be a friend with the pastor. I want to show the pastor that I want to support the pastor because I really did. I wanted to support the pastor. <laughs> and you showed up at Woods Auditorium. I think it was at the end of the year thing. And I see you and your wife come in and I'm like, "Yo, I'm I'm this kind of bold cat that I'm just going to go introduce myself to people. And so we're standing at the bottom of the stairs at the entrance of Woods Auditorium, and I introduced myself to you, and you were just like, did not look me in the eye at all. And you're just like looking around, and you were like super nervous. And I was like, what is wrong with this dude? And immediately I just thought, "Ah, I don't know about this guy. Yeah. Like, I don't know if he's sure. if he if he's about this life. Yeah. And I don't know if Michael was on the staff yet. I don't know. He was. Okay. Yeah. And I'm like, man, what, what talk to me about about this guy and and cuz I'm just like I wanted yeah. I wanted to yeah. know. Yeah. 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 And then I don't know how early on, but I think it was early on. Yeah. That you and I have a conversation in the cafeteria because I'm just trying to be your friend. I want to give yeah, you a yeah. chance. And we have a conversation in which we both are like, yo, I struggle with this thing. And you're like, yeah, I struggle with this thing too. And I'm like, oh man, the pastor is talking. We're like, I'm having like a real conversation with this guy. Yeah. Um, and I thought, okay, this I, is I, a real dude. Right. I, I kind of led on because I would never admit openly. Right, but I, I I'd leave enough doors open so that you could arrive to that conclusion. Right. right, you were being careful about it, of course. And I'm not sure if I was being careful about it. I was probably like, ah, man, I got this thing. You, you were. We were maybe feeling each other out. You were more open about it than I was. But I, in 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 the in the desire of being open and honest, I kind of left the door open so that you could arrive to your own conclusions about sure. what I was saying. Okay, but you remember this conversation? Yeah, I remember this conversation vividly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And anyways, go ahead. So and so this is. I'm just seeing yeah. who you are mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like I would I remember sitting in church cuz people make fun of me for this but you know where I'm sitting in church because I either say wow stage, or stage, mercy stage right yeah and so <laughs> you had it like acknowledged me being in church yeah. and I was like okay this guy's cuz you acknowledge me yeah um yeah. but um I didn't know like you were you were coming in hot with some issues, mm-hmm. and you were, mm-hmm. um, and it, you just seemed just you were just off putting. Yes, that's a good word to put it. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know it. how to handle this guy. <laughs> and you had even positioned yourself mm-hmm. as I'm a cat, I'm not a dog, mm-hmm. I'm a cat. I got to warm oh, up to yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. And I'm sitting here thinking, yo, dude does not need to tell people this. Yeah. Like, I remember and that. if he is a cat, like, he's the pastor at CVC. Yeah. Stop being a cat. Yeah. Like, this is what I'm saying in my mind. I'm like, you're 
the pastor here. Mm -hmm. So it carries a lot. And because I know a lot about ministry and I know my background in ministry, like I'm like, dude needs to chill. And this is, I don't know how long I was here while you were the pastor, maybe two or three years. But this is the Herald that I got introduced Mm -hmm. to at this point in your life. So it was kind of like, Mm -hmm. it was a lot. There was a lot of stuff going on with you. And I'm like watching from afar, like, how is this dude gonna handle all this? Right, exactly. So how were you handling it all? Not well. (laughs) (laughs) No, not well. So at some point, I think because it's in Nebraska and... Um, because Campion was very much "Don't go, we love you." Um, uh, I there there was a moment in which I'm like, okay, so these guys are lucky that I'm that I'm going out there, you mm. know, that I'm leaving my pristine conditions of life in the beautiful paradise of Colorado to go to Nebraska, which everybody poops Nebraska, but like, bro, don't poop it. It's a great place. Like, I, it, I, I've lived here longer than I've ever lived anywhere else. Listen, like, it's, it's good when we say the good life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the good life. Yeah, yeah. Like, trust me, yeah. it is the good life. Yeah, it's good. Uh, so I wasn't handling it well. Um, we got here, we got pregnant. People were being super nice to us, uh, very warm and very welcoming. And as welcoming as I thought I was being, I was also being very off-putting and very arrogant. Hmm. Because, um, and I know my wife, she'd be like, give yourself grace. You weren't that much of a jerk. And I'm like, no i i kind of was yeah i kind of was if like if you were in my corner you were my people absolutely Uh yeah i was nice to you but if i would perceive that you're not my people then i'd go back to my behaviors in elementary school and middle in middle school Uh and i would berate you with truth because that's my defense mechanism because i don't want you to see the soft mushy little heart that i have Mm -hmm. so i'm going to put up strong walls you're a sensitive guy Yes, I am very sensitive. But you want to you protect yourself. You can't show that side. I'm, I, if you're if you're familiar with the enneagram, I I I I, I land on the eight, and the eights are we're we're much about protecting the mushiness that we have inside with a very gruff exterior. Mm. We're all about the truth. We're all about justice, and we're we'll just we'll meet you. We're not scared of a fight, and so. You know, Rosie got pregnant. We had our first daughter, our only child. Well, yeah, she, yeah, we had our daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember having to go to counseling because things were not going well at home mm. um, and at work. It was just, it wasn't, it wasn't going well. Had she found out anything about what you yeah, were doing, she, going yeah, through? Yeah, yeah, she, she found out. She found out. She was disappointed, but very gracious, but still disappointed. And, and so I, I went to, I went to a counselor here in town. And he gave me a – there were two things that really resonated with me strongly enough that I, I was able to make, I think, some concerted efforts and changes. Mm-hmm. But it's still not, you know. Right. So the one thing he said is like, you, you're giving yourself to your job that much. He says, what happens if you die tomorrow? I'm like, well, I don't know. I said, what do you mean? He says, what happens in your job if you die tomorrow? Mm-hmm. I said, well, they'll, they'll be sad. He says, okay. And then what? And there'll be like a big funeral. Mm-hmm. And then he says, and then what? And I said, and, you know, they'll miss me. He says, no, they'll find your replacement a month later. Mm-hmm. And they'll forget you within a year. Mm. And I was like, and then he said, what happens with your family if you die? Mm. Is your wife going to replace you in a month? I'm like, no. Is your daughter going to replace you within a month? I'm like, no. He says, Harold, to your family, you're irreplaceable. Get mm. your priorities straight. Mm. And it rocked me 
because、mm. I realized that I was doing this all for the appearance of the job, of me being good, of me compensating for the fact that I didn't know how to do the job, or that I was scared of failing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That I was investing myself in a very unhealthy way to this job and in a very unkind way to this job and to the people that I was supposed to minister and pastor to.、Mm-hmm. And that included my wife.、Mm. And so, and then the next thing he said, because you know, I shared with him a little bit of of my struggle, and、um, and he said, well, he said you have a set of values and principles you adhere to, and then you have these behaviors that do not match up to your principles and values. And he said, either you change your behaviors or you change your principles. But if you continue to go down this road, you're going to go crazy.、Hmm. You can't continue to div. You can't. He he unwittingly said, you can't continue to be double minded. Mercy. That's a word. That's a word, right? He he unwittingly. Yeah. This 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 secular、uh, mental health professional basically said you can't continue to be double minded because you will end up a mess. Wow. And so I was like, okay. So I I I would continue to strive to live up to the principles and values that I said that I espoused.、Mm-hmm. Okay. Giving、mm-hmm. real honest effort. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give a real honest effort about this. I'm going to go about it real honestly. I'm going to get an accountability partner.、Mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, so I, a friend of mine and who's not a pastor anymore、uh, in in another state, and we were accountability partners, and we would just, you know, try and,、yeah. and you know, and and oh man, we're not going to do this. And if we did, like, oh man, this is bad. And, and so, and it wasn't just that, but like anger comes out and pride. And I remember this one moment where I was coming back from Colorado, that. Um, the spirit kind of knocked me, and I I apologized from the pulpit that time, and I meant it when the thought was given to me of like, hey,、uh, and I was looking back at the sunset. I remember driving back from Colorado. We were somewhere between、um, uh, North Platte and um, and Carney,、uh, mm-hmm. and I remember looking at the sunset going down, and this this thought of like, nice sunset, huh? I'm like, yes. He says, and you're looking at the rearview mirror, huh? He says, "Okay, well, listen.、Um, you've been looking at the rearview mirror a whole lot now.、Hmm. I need you to look forward. We did a good job at Campion because、mm-hmm. I did a good job at Campion through you.、Mm-hmm. I need you to shut that chapter because you're not letting me write a new chapter in your life.、Hmm. And you're making people at CVC miserable because you keep on joking about like Nebraska. You keep on like you're you're not. This is your community. I called you to live in this community.、Mm-hmm. So stop being a jerk about it." You didn't know how that was hitting people, did you? No, I did not. Yeah, I didn't know. I I th- I thought I was being funny-ish,、mm-hmm. but I wasn't being funny. I was actually being serious. It's like if you joke about Patrick Mahomes, I'm not going to laugh at you. <laughs> I'll be like, as he wears the massive T-shirt, yeah, of Patrick Mahomes. Hey, man, it is、okay. what it is. It、oh, is what it sure, is. Sure, I love you. No,、and、but it's like I wouldn't laugh at that. I'd、no. be like, okay, bro, like you don't know Patrick like I do. Right, right, right. <laughs> like you don't know Nebraska. He's my you, boy. You、yeah. just got here. Like, why are you talking about yeah, this? Yeah, exactly. You know.、Mm-hmm. So I would, I would, I definitely had a moment of reckoning, and. And I apologize from the pulpit, and people heard it. Some people never heard it, and and it hurt them. And that's the thing that killed me. So, I, I tried, I tried, I tried. I people still were being blessed by sermons. People were still being blessed by ministry, as they say. Yeah. What were you preaching at at this point now? I think the same thing that I was preaching at Campion. Yeah. You know,、um, I remember even you. I, I preached one sermon specifically about、uh, lust on the Sermon on the Mount. And I remember you came to me and said, "Hey, you set people free today, man," because you actually confronted it. Yeah, 
you said you set people free today. But you and I know yeah, yeah, that yeah. I didn't set people free. No, I you didn't. I just I just told you what the problem was and that we could beat it together. This was this is right before I was leaving. Yes. <laughs> yes. This is right <laughs> before I was leaving. And we were dealing with that as yes. a group of people. Yes. And so it's just like we're gonna talk about this thing. We're gonna leave that in there. We're gonna talk about this thing. Mm-hmm. And I think some people came and we talked about it and we're, and you were just like, yeah, I'm going to preach about this thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so you were like, hey, you know, and I had people that come. So, so there were some positive effects to the preaching. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that this is where we can totally fast forward to now 2019. Yeah. 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 Let me, let me say this thing though. We thought at this point. Uh-huh that just being in a group of people that were broken yeah. had some answers to it. Yeah. Like, yeah, you and I both struggle with this thing. Yeah. And hey, church, this is a real thing. So what are we going to do about it? Let's fight together. And we thought there were answers because the, the righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up eight. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to get victory Band over this brothers. thing Band of brothers. together. Band of brothers. And so I was all for it because right. it was giving me hope. Yeah. It was giving me hope. And again, this is not bad. This is not pew pewing. No, no, no. No, none of that. Like, listen, if if that's what you is if if that's what you want to do, and it's yeah, I mean, if that's you what know. you want to do, continue to listen to the rest of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, so summer two thousand. <laughs> yeah. Summer two thousand nineteen. Yeah. Uh, we're at Branson. Yes. Oh. And, yes. <laughs> and uh, since. The end of January, I'm starting uh-huh. to walk with this thing. I'm in a dark place, incidentally, again. What was going on with you? Stuff. I just like life. Life. Uh again, my marriage was not like, you know, and it see people hear this and like, oh, are they at the brink of divorce? No, but we we like I wasn't I wasn't loving my wife the way I should. For sure. You know. Like I, I don't think I was ever on the brink of divorce, but our lives were miserable. Yeah, well, I, we were we I were taken. Right. Mine was. We don't have to compare. Like right. I was taken not. from my wife. Yeah, I was taken from my wife. Yeah, when when I got this I, understanding, we of had this moments. Thing. We had moments of uh-huh. good, but we had also moments of bad. And it seemed that the moments of bad were really intense. So, you yeah. know, I was at a dark point. I was at a dark point again of like ah oh, trying to figure things out. So much of a dark point that my dear friend Kessie Rain, my my mm-hmm. sister, mm-hmm. my sister Kessie Rain Bennett, she's mm-hmm. she's one of my colleagues here. She said, "Harold, you need to go on a personal retreat." And I'm like, "Ah, nonsense! <laughs> I don't need to go on a personal retreat. That's a bunch of baloney." So I see you down here, yeah, in, and in I'm with all my pastor friends because I love pastors, and I and and we had to be at that thing together. Yeah, the teachers yeah. and the and I'm the principal. And so I remember sitting at the pool and I'm talking to Michael and Elena and I'm just like super excited. And then I'm talking to Kessia, (laughs) Kessie Rain, and she'll laugh at this and we talked about this, but she's just like kind of tripping about like job direction in life. And I have all the answers, right? I'm just like, you know, we're da 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 da. We're free from this and da 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 da. And I'm just pumped because like I'm experiencing this thing. All this stuff is meanwhile Mm -hmm. is going on with, with, with Tyler and Morgan and me walking with all of them through this. So like, nobody knows this stuff that like, this is my life, but I'm like, and so I remember it's like one of the last meetings and we're all eating haystacks as we do. And I go up and and I, to my table yeah, and I come to your table and I'm like, bro. And I don't know if I asked you what's your relationship to sin or what do you like? Yeah. I'm like pretty much sin is defeated, bro. 
and I go like, este idiota. Yeah. Like, you seriously. looked at me yeah. like, and you could, that's one thing that you <laughs> you haven't known about yourself, but maybe you do know about yourself now, is that we can all tell what you're thinking. Yes. And yes. so, like, I knew I was rubbing you the wrong way, and it didn't bother me at all. <laughs> I was just like this cat, and so I'm just like, bro, da 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 da, da. and I knew, like, uh, and it kind of gave me a special happiness that I'm Richard. I don't know anything about anything theologically, but I'm like talking about this yeah. thing. Yes. And so you're sitting there. I am so annoyed because I know all the theology and I know all the holes of what you're saying. I'm like, this guy is, ugh. and I'm just like slightly polite. Like I think I'm being polite with you, <laughs> but but clearly I am not. Mm-mm. Because no, you were, but I knew what you were thinking. Right? Yeah, my face is like this moron. Yeah, you know. But I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm. and at the same time, I was talking. You know, we were having conversations with uh, Jonathan um, and Eddie, who I think have been also on your podcast. Yeah, uh, Jonathan has. You you were already talking with these guys in this early. Jonathan, in August? Well, Jonathan and I go back to the seminary. We were friends in the seminary. Okay. So Jonathan would would say something. Mm-hmm. Or I think I saw a video of him somewhere, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Este, what is he? What, what, what kind of not? What, what is this madness? This boy preaching?" Mm-hmm. And um, and I would text him, mm-hmm. and something like, "Are you saying?" And he's like, "Well, Paul says it." I'm like, "Ah, stop that! Don't give me those answers, you know." Mm-hmm. And so there were there were moments of of con- so I I probably had seen a video of Jonathan. Eddie and I were having a conversation. Eddie had annoyed me because, you know, whatever happened with him, et cetera, et cetera. And you know him from college, like he was a kid when you were in college. No, I was in high school and he was in middle school. Okay. We're not that significantly younger from each other, I think. Um, But anyways, um, so so no, like you and Eddie, like you guys can't, you know, what are you trying to, no, you guys are crazy. So, So during that time is where, all things align themselves. Hearing you, you, you nut jobs talk about dead to what? What? Yeah. No, these guys are nuts. But it made me, in a sense, question what I knew. Hmm. It's like there's a slight chance, a minimal percentage, very minimal, mm-hmm. that I could be wrong. I doubt it. Yeah, it's like where Charles Barkley says, "I may be wrong, but, but I doubt." But, but I doubt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's exactly. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I doubt it. Yeah. Um, and since my propensity is one of the things that I've always had about my preaching is that if I'm going to present something, it needs to be as factual and as a hundred percent accurate as it can be. Not because necessarily it depends. It's because I want to give you the truth, but because I don't want to look like a chump. Right. Okay. So could be. Mm-hmm. So I'm hearing you. I hearing. I saw one video of Jonathan's LRT thing. I don't know where it was. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't remember exactly what it was, but I finally took Kissy Rain up on her you know, offer to go to this retreat. I said, find me a place here in Nebraska. Good luck. And she found me a place. You know, a friend of ours, common friend of ours here that works at Union College was found a place in Schuyler, Nebraska. It's spelled Schuyler, but it's pronounced Schuyler. I cannot understand that about So is this before or after Jonathan comes in to campus and sits down? Before, way before. Okay. This is way before. So this is July, August. Oh, okay. 2019. All right. Okay. So right after Branson, you and I in mm-hmm, July, mm-hmm. Um, I booked this place. I said, okay, I'm going to go. And and slowly I'm like, all right, I need to restudy the gospel that I know. Like, mm-hmm. what am I missing here? If maybe I could be missing something. And I go to this retreat already with the preconceived idea that I'm going to I'm going to beat Jonathan, especially 
you guys know because you guys are just you we're know, chumps. You're we're chumps. We're kids. Yeah. You, what do you know? Mm-hmm. But Jonathan, who's my friend, mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a prove him wrong. Mm-hmm. This guy's this guy's nuts. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna poke holes in his theology, whatever his theology is. But the thing is, I didn't know what his theology was because it's not like I had a brochure of <laughs> Jonathan Leonardo's preaching <laughs> schedule. I didn't have his sermons. Right. I just had a couple of texts, a video I had watched, uh-huh. and the idea that he's like, "Qué está hablando este loco? He's nuts." So the legit reason for going out to this retreat was because you were in a dark place. It was, in and a then dark you pl- thought, "Well, I'll look at this while I'm out here." Yes, I was in a dark place. I needed to come up with a preaching calendar. Because Hirayan's like, all the college guys do it. You should do it, Harold. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. It's dark. I can take three days away from my family to be by myself. And I'm going to poke holes at this theology. Eh, you know, as a side, as a side note. Uh-huh. So I went there, got there, took my guitar, my Bible, my laptop. That's all I took. Oh, my phone, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, nice place. Really sweet place. Uh, Benedictine, uh, St. Benedict's Retreat here in Skyline, Nebraska. It's a plug. Go there. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> shout out to the... Shout out to yeah. St. Benedict's. Yeah. Great place um, in Skyler, Nebraska. Okay. Spelled Schuyler. <laughs> and I sat down and um, I'm going through the gospel. And I had already been looking at John and New Birth and John 1, John 3, First uh, John. Like the concept, I, I did a word study on children of God, technon, technoi. And I'm like, so it's starting to hit me that, wait a minute, uh, this child concept is it's kind of prevalent, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and so at this retreat, somehow, spirit, mm-hmm. I land on Luke chapter 15. Hmm. And I, I have written down Luke chapter 15, you know, and I read the first part of Luke chapter. This is a story, Luke chapter 15, 11 through 32. Um, and this is a story of the son of the, of the prodigal uh, son. It's called the prodigal son or the two sons, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I read the first part. Son goes away, yada, 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 give me my money, you know, where's my money, man? Kind of like, you know, where's my money? <laughs> <laughs> where's my money, man? Yeah. You know, takes my money, um, goes away. It comes back home, father embrace, da 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 da. I literally look at the pages of the of of the page of the Bible and I say out loud, this story does nothing for me. It's a waste of my time. You said that? I said that out loud. Like this story does nothing for me. It's a waste of my time. And clear as day I hear, keep reading. Hmm. <sighs> the older son. Comes back from the field. And as soon as I start reading, man, like it, like I realize mm-hmm. that's me. Mm-hmm. And I start breaking down, like the, there's literally, I, I can feel like thoughts coming into my mind of like, you know, how the older son stands outside, pouty and demanding and angry. How dare you throw a party for this punk? And the father comes out just like he came out to meet the son. He comes out to meet the older son. And I'm just like floored at this moment. And I read 1531. Son, you have always been with me. All I have is yours. And at that moment, I just, I kind of break down. Because the word he uses is technoi. It's a it's an endearing term of mijo, my son, my child. You know, mm-hmm. not huyos, but technoi. 
and these thoughts start coming to me, you know, um, of what I, of what I saw myself as hmm. I was, I was a slave at home. Hmm. And the, the spirit starts speaking to me like, you know, you're my son. You've always been my son, but you're behaving like a rotten worker because you look at everybody else as below you. And the reason why you do that is because as a worker, you need to maintain your performance at a certain level and you need to check somehow somebody told you that you need to check on everybody else's performance. And when they don't match up, you're angry at me because I have compassion on them. And you're angry at them because they're not matching up to the performance that you supposedly put out. Hmm. And the thing is that you don't have the courage to go out and do what your little brother did. Hmm. You just stay home and do it behind a screen. Hmm. Oof. And that, that hurt. Because I, I have it written down. It's like, you didn't miss this kid? You're telling me that you didn't see his empty spot on the table and you didn't miss him? You didn't wonder where he was? You didn't wonder if he was okay? Hmm. You're telling me that you don't remember that he looked up to you all the time? That he wore your hand-me-downs? That you're his hero? Hmm. You're his older brother. You're telling me you didn't miss that guy? Hmm. He's your brother, man. And you're my son. You're not my worker. Hmm. Bro. I close my Bible that night and I go to bed just thinking of what I just read and thinking of the voice that said, keep reading at, at the audacity of like, this story is nothing for me. You know, mm -hmm. I woke up the next morning and the thoughts are still there. Right. I'm a son. I'm a son. Mm -hmm. I'm not a worker. I'm a son. What? Dude, so I go on this walk up this path. It's beautiful. It's got lighting. I'm, a, you know, I'm, a, I'm taking pictures. I still have all the pictures in that roll on my computer. Um, and uh, and I got up to this place where there's a cross. It's kind of like where they have buried people. Like it's a little bit of a private uh, cemetery, I guess. And there's a big old beautiful silver cross. And I just went in and knelt there. Hmm. I started praying and, and confessing and repenting for considering myself a worker. Hmm. And I got up from that prayer as a son. Hmm. I was his son. And for the first time in my life, at 40 years of age, hmm. I knew I was not a worker. I was a son. If you would have asked me and we had this conversation before freedom, mm -hmm. before life, mm -hmm. I would have told you my working trajectory. I would have literally given you my resume mm -hmm. and how awesome it looks to come from an, you know, an unknown to big pulpit mm -hmm. in the lapse of like, what, 10, 11 years? Mm -hmm. <gasps> wow. Right? Mm -hmm. That story was whack. <laughs> and, and, and my friend Kessia Rain uh, she mentioned once and she said, huh, she says, when you tell your testimony and your story, you talk about your job. Hmm. And like, I was like, yeah, because, you know, that's the thing that I am. Hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a good. And now I was like, that that's not it. God was your dad's job and then God became your job. Yeah. And now he's my dad. 
He's my father. He's my Abba. What? I'm I'm his son, dude. We are his kids. We are his children. And so it it doesn't end there. Two weeks later, mm. September 28. Mm. So at this point, now my preaching has flipped. Mm. Because now I'm like, we're children. We're, mm. we're his sons. We're not his work. We're his sons. We're not workers. That means he loves us deeply and dearly. Mm-hmm. And that means, whoa, that means, whoa, that means that that everything that we need, it's so awesome. Wow. You know, like the gospel mm-hmm. of a sudden is like me. He loves me. Right. I'm his kid, bro. Yeah. He's my father. Right, right, right. Every, like all I have is yours. Uh-huh. You never left home and that's okay, but all I have is yours. So let's let's party together. Yeah. So there's this joy, right? right? So now I'm preaching. I, I had I had said I was gonna do a series on David. It was I called it anointed, mm-hmm. right? And uh, the first sermon is about owning your spiritual life. And I preach it and I remember two things from that Sabbath. First of all, somebody approaches me, knocks on the door as I'm walking in after second service, mm-hmm. and they said, Hey, I said, What? And they're like, It's an older member, and he says, you preach good. What did you do this time? Hmm. And I'm like, oh, if you knew. Hmm. He says, you preach good, but there's something different about you on this one. What did you do? Keep it up. And he just walked away. Hmm. And I said, okay. And I walk into my office because I need some silence after second service. Two services, it gets hmm. noisy. I just I need to recalibrate for a second because hmm. I am shy I'm not necessarily your outgoing guy all the mm-hmm, time. Mm-hmm, I, I mm-hmm. need my cave of solitude for a second. Mm-hmm. Okay, just give me alone two seconds, please. Two mm-hmm, hours. Mm-hmm. And I walk into my office, this office, literally, bro. Mm-hmm. I sit here. <sighs> I exhale. And I hear, you do realize that all you need to do is believe and live in the reality I've created for you. Right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, What? And I look like it, it's weird because it's it's a very audible thought voice, mm-hmm. whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it. Okay, spirit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. It's the yeah, Holy yeah. Spirit. For okay, sure, for sure. Yeah, you do realize two times that all you have to do is believe and live in the reality I've created for you. Gone. Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, uh, what? And so I'm like, I gotta text, I gotta text Jonathan. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! Because again, remember, I went to, I went to fight, mm-hmm. but I ended up fighting with myself. So is this September 28? September 28. This is that. This is the night that Morgan got her freedom, but this is in the afternoon. I thought you were at Sandro's thing. I was at Sandro's thing. Because I didn't text Jonathan, I'm like, I gotta go. To, uh, my friend, our, my friend okay, Sandro right. needs to get. It, it's his ordination ceremony is that day, so I need to go travel an hour and a half to his church. Right. I didn't text Jonathan at that moment because, if my rem- if my memory serves me, uh-huh. he had come into town. Yep. We had gotten canceled here, mm-hmm. and he came into town and he met with the pastoral the pastoral staff. Not all, but he talked some to some of about us. This yeah, thing. and it was never an official thing either. Right. It was just like, hey, I'm going to be in town, blah blah, and it was just a controversy, not necessarily related to LRT, but other things, other yes. things that had happened, et cetera, et cetera. We're like, you know what? Let's forget it. Let's not happen. I had no animus, and I don't think anybody on the staff had any animus right, towards. Right, right, it was like, right. no, you inherit nothing. So we had the conversation with him. Uh-huh. That was a Thursday, probably. Uh-huh. You know, so this is Saturday. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, dude, is 
is this what you've been talking about? Uh-huh. The what the what what I heard in my office. Uh-huh. And it is at Sandra's thing because I couldn't text him. I'm like, I gotta go home. Gotta pick my family up. We gotta go to Sandra's thing. Uh-huh. And and he te- that that's what I'm talking about. So you know, I'm like, all of a sudden, what this is, and and that's the moment that I started looking at Romans chapter six for the first time in my life. Uh-huh. Not because you know I'm getting influenced or anything, but literally the spirit is like, okay, now go Romans chapter six with what I just told you. <laughs> so man, you won't. I wish you could see, maybe in heaven, I don't know how it's going to work, that we get to watch the video. Right, right, right. Or the, whatever it is, the Blu-ray. But when Jonathan walks into the room, Uh and he's holding his cell phone up, (laughs) and we're all sitting around the table, Yeah. and he's like, y'all, guess who just texted me? Uh And I... If if you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time and you started with the first one or the second one and you've heard Morgan's story right. and you've heard about this crazy weekend almost two years ago, yeah, that this day was so pivotal. Uh-huh. And on this day, Jonathan comes in and he had just, his flights got canceled and he, he meets up with us again and he's like, you'll never believe this. And so we're all just like, what? No way. And we're so excited. We're like, if the pastor at CVC gets this thing, right. watch out. And Morgan's sitting there miserable. Miserable. And we're just like <laughs> praising the Lord. It's right. Tyler, Christian, Drew, Miley, Jonathan. And we're just like, let's go. And we're so happy. And we right. hadn't been talking about it for a while. And so Morgan right. had gotten comfortable. But I just, I see this. I actually was just in the same place yesterday mm-hmm. at this place. And like, it just it's so special to me mm-hmm. and just to think about man harold what is going to happen like this is so exciting yeah and it's just a beautiful memory and feeling uh-huh. and i don't know if you thought that while you're sitting in the pews at this ordination no because i didn't know that you guys were gathered together here's yeah. the thing like i'm not i have no idea remember we said bye yeah this isn't happening yeah so i don't know where jonathan is i don't know where you guys are yeah, yeah, i have yeah. no idea i'm literally just texting jonathan like is this what you've been talking about yeah 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 that we just live by faith uh-huh. in the real like you know we just accept this and it literally is yeah it's by faith yeah uh there, what was it that everything was done yeah or what was it what was it that he has created a reality for us like second adam you mm-hmm. know um, what we inherit from the second Adam, which is later, like when I'm reading uh, Romans chapter five, and mm-hmm. I'm and I'm dissecting like you know uh, the second Adam and and what we have, which is something that I had never seen, mm-hmm. but it literally was this like after I preached that sermon about owning your spiritual life and how God has done everything for us, because that first sermon was like, hey, here's your spiritual life, mm-hmm. and I've done everything that you need for you to grow, so grow, right? That's mm-hmm. the gist of that first sermon on the Anointed series, and so. When I walk in and it's like, you do realize that that's all you have to do is live and believe. Mm-hmm. Believe and live. Mm-hmm. I've done something. Live in that something that I've created. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was the understanding that he's done it and that there is a reality. Mm-hmm. And, and people are like, oh, it's, you know, listen, reality is a word that hasn't been coined <laughs> by, by love by reality. Jonathan okay, Leonardo. Yeah, Jonathan Learn is not the owner of words. Yeah. But like, listen, he's my friend. I yeah, love him yeah, and yeah, I agree yeah. with what he's saying. In that, like, there is a reality that exists in the second person of the divinity, Jesus Christ, who, as the resurrected 
as the resurrected Christ, where he is tying humanity and divinity with a bond that will never be broken for the rest of the ages, he personifies salvation now. So it is him who carries it. He is that reality, which is why you and I cannot add anything to it. Right. We can't subtract anything yeah, to right. it. We literally live in that reality that he has made for us. And so we are confident and we live within that realm. We live with no fear. We live with no condemnation. It is why Romans 8 becomes so significant. Yeah. It is why Romans 6, you're dead to sin, becomes yeah. so significant. Because Jesus has literally provided everything you and I need for our salvation and for our growth and for our empowerment so that you and I just get to live in this reality right now by faith period there's nothing else you don't have to be like on this like bookkeeping sense of like oh did i do this today oh like jesus what sins did i do today like please forgive me this this dying daily thing Mm -hmm. which again i i believe that sometimes it is the it is the misunderstanding of renewal of the mind romans chapter 12 right Mm -hmm. Don't conform yourself to this age, be but be transformed by the renewing of your thoughts, because the word is nos, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the thoughts, re- change your thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I think that at some point we might have just misapprehended and said, well, it's dying daily. No, this is not a system of you like every day. Have well, to you go. mix that up with taking up your cross and denying yourself no, daily. Right. And so then you say, well, died it, and it's, it's, right. it's out of context. And, and, and traditionally, why. listen, this is not something new. Traditionally, this is how... The vast majority of Christianity has understood it, mm-hmm. and I'm okay with the vast understanding of the, the vast Christianity of, under, of Christianity understanding a text a certain way. But if you read the text mm-hmm. within its context, it is quite clear as I read this that Paul is not talking about some sort of like automatic renewal with flesh every morning. Yeah, that you lost it when you fell asleep. That you lost it when you fell asleep, that I have to go back to be born in my mother's womb because, you know, it doesn't work that way. You wake up where you left off and you live from the victory that Christ already And where did you leave off at victory? Like we start where where he finished. And did you trip up? Maybe, probably, sure. Okay, fine. But what you got? You got an advocate of the Father, Jesus Christ. So, like, listen, who is faithful in truth, confess your sins. Not only that, you get into Hebrews chapter 2, into Hebrews chapter 4, that he was in always tempted, but he is now able to help those who are tempted. Why? Because there is this union that him and us have that is unbreakable forever, dude. And people, I, I feel sometimes that within within our Christian denomination and specifically within Adventism itself, we 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 haven't really grappled with what it means because we've we've huh. come to understand things in a different way in a different clout. But but and this isn't new. This isn't like oh new. It's not new. Light. It literally is old. It's right, right. there. We so, just missed it. So you preached this thing that day, and later you realized yo, and you're going back to your sermon, mm-hmm. and you're like. That mug is true. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so you text out of just like, mm-hmm. praise the Lord, this mm-hmm. is crazy. Right, just like, is this what you're talking about? Literally, mm-hmm. that's a text. It's like, dude, is this what you're talking about? Like, like I've just arrived to the same conclusion you've arrived to. Mm-hmm. Is, is this what you're talking about? Because if this is what you're talking about, then... Like, bro, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's really what it was. It, it, was, a, it was an arrival... From a completely different perspective, from a different place, you know, without seeing any LRTs, without, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. other than just conversations with Jonathan where he would just have to shut up because I'm like, ah, you know, like yeah. barking back at him. Um, but arriving to that conclusion and me saying, is this what you've been talking Because if this is what you're talking about, 
dude, we're in agreement. Mm-hmm. This is the, whoa. This is the gospel, and it's so real and it's so beautiful. You're kidding me. This is what we've been like. Mm-hmm. How did we miss it? How how have we so missed this? After this, yeah. When is it that you're able to see that there was an old herald? When when it, how long did it take, or when did it when did it happen? Where you look back and you're mm-hmm. like. Oh, old Harold was mm-hmm. a arrogant, jerk. an arrogant narcissist yeah. jerk. Yeah, because you know, and your do. your wife your wife said, "Don't be too bad on yourself. Give yourself grace." And and said. sometimes we do this thing where we look at our death and we're like, "Well, it wasn't that bad because like I wanted these things. I like, I'll be honest, I wanted to love my wife, of but course. I didn't. I didn't. Right. But I wanted to. What does that mean? Like, we can." shine it up and make it feel, make it i don't know why we would need mm-hmm. to feel better about right. our death because right. that guy doesn't exist anymore right but you know we try to call it as honest as we see it and sometimes people get triggered mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. we're talking about our old self as this person and mm-hmm. they remember us and they didn't see us that way mm-hmm. and if they didn't see it like if if you get up and you're just like man what Harold was preaching from 2015 to 2000 summer 2000 whatever like i don't know what he was talking about well then someone might get a chance to be like but i listened to your sermons and i was blessed by your sermons and 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 that happens too and god can bless and he uses Mm -hmm. he uses it all but when did you see oh my old self was in some stuff uh it's been a progressive like seeing that it's been a progressive seeing that it's not that like at, at that point um, I know that I've seen, for example, right after that day, I uh, I started looking at Romans, <laughs> Romans six. Yeah. I was like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> this isn't at the resurrection. You know, you have been buried with him. Yeah, so yeah, can... yeah, yeah. This isn't at the second coming. This is now. How wait? What? How crazy? Can we just talk about how crazy this is? Because, and we're not hating on our old selves. No, 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 no. But you went to the seminary. Yeah. It was words on a. It was words on. And a, Romans yeah. six is talking, and Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is in you now. Right, right. And Romans six says, "Don't you know that you will?" Yeah, uh huh, uh huh. Uh-huh. And you didn't know that it was no, now. I I figured it was. You know, you get baptized so that when Jesus comes for a second time, mm-hmm. you get to resurrect. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. And the wages of sin. Like I ignored everything. All I all I would read was six twenty three. The wages of sin. You didn't is read twenty four. No. <laughs> the, the gift is eternal life. <laughs> no. Like I would read. I would read twenty three. Wages of sin is death, and the gift of life is. And that's all I would read. And then I would. I would. Like I didn't know what to do with Romans five. Right. Yeah, I hear preachers say that it's too hard to explain, so they don't even. And try. I'm like, uh, you know, so 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 me looking answering your question. When did you look at? start seeing that the old guy um i it's been a gradual thing in which i look back and i can realize where i've i've made i've made mistakes in in leadership um based on narcissism hmm. based on myself being hurt um for the good cause of the gospel or for standing for principle but really it was because i got hurt mercy you know um, I have a deep, a, a very close relationship with a really, really, really good friend of mine. We know each other for 26 years now. Mm-hmm. And we were having a conversation just a couple of months ago. And we were having lunch and we have like a traditional like, we'll we'll meet for lunch often and just, you know, talk. And 
and um man yeah she uh she noticed and she said uh every time that i had to have lunch with you i had to mentally prepare because i knew you were going to make it all about you every single time hmm. she says i love you you're my brother but i just knew that every time you were going to make it about you one way or another I, I I would try to give you some problem that I was going through, but you were going to make it about you. And, so, man, yeah, we can discuss the deceitfulness of sin and yeah. why we were making it all about us. Mm-hmm. But it's very simple. We didn't know how loved we were. Yep, man, that's yeah. We didn't know that we were his kids, and and that is essential. It's to the point that it's to the point that I can look. And and know that no matter what happens, <laughs> no matter what happens, I own the whole estate. Yeah. <laughs> like his enemies are his footstool, right? Yeah. And we are sitting with him. Yeah. So so I you know whatever circumstances in life uh happen, uh professionally or or whatever, um I know now that I'm not gonna be driving and parking my side on my, my car on the on the shoulder and say enough oh lord yeah for when i am not better than my forefathers no i'm his son i got a couple more questions yeah yeah when remind me when this sermon was that you preached and you apologized to the congregation uh which one the first one or the second one Oh, the second one was in October. Yeah, that's the one where I told this testimony, but in a very condensed form because, uh, and, and they try to make it condensed. That means 11 minutes of like two hours of footage or something like that. <laughs> um, and I was, I apologize to my congregation because listen, man, I came here to the College View Church and though it was humbling and though I was like, oh, it's not deserved, deep down inside, it was like, this is just a stepping stone to get somewhere else. Hmm. To get somewhere bigger. And the problem is when you minister from that place, you don't minister well. You don't serve people. You you serve yourself from the people. You don't minister to them. They minister to your needs and to your ego. And and you, you go from that place. And I know that once again, it's like, oh, but you blessed me while you were still here. Not like in, you, you blessed me while you were still Saul. Listen, God speaks through an, through a donkey <laughs> okay um and and that's fine if god spoke through a donkey he spoke through me and the holy spirit will take an you give him an inch of your life mm-hmm. the holy spirit will take that inch and he's mm-hmm. going to work wonders with that inch and and he's going to continue to woo you um you know but but there is definitely and and this is i in my experience and i'm not i'm not saying everybody has to go through this but in my experience there is definitely a before and an after. So talk to me about the after. And I know mm-hmm. we've talked about what the understanding of what sin really is and how our freedom from it has, you know, we've dropped, <laughs> we're not wrestling against a dead guy called right. LUST and we're not, but what, what has life looked like for you since this understanding? Mm, I wouldn't trade it for a, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, it's been hard. 
Hmm. And it's been great. Um, it's been hard because when you preach the gospel, um, you'll get people who get very uncomfortable with what you preach. Mm-hmm. And, um, and some of those people will not come and want to have a conversation with you. They'll just come and talk at you mm-hmm. on how wrong you are. Um, and that's what I was. I mean, that's why I went to Skylar, you know. Fault finding. I, I went to go fault find. Um, but praise God that the Holy Spirit had other plans with me, and he took that inch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave the Holy Spirit an inch. Yeah. And he took the inch, and he just like slowly but surely overtook my entire being, my entire life, my entire self, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it's been wonderful because um, it has changed my life. I have seen it in... Uh, I've seen it in, in my marriage and this isn't just me, you know, saying it, but when, when people come and tell you you're different, when people come and tell you you're changed, when people come and tell you like, whoa, what has happened with you? Um, the comments that I got after that September experience throughout the anointed series of David were always at least one person every Sabbath was like, what have you done? Hmm. You used to preach really good, but this is different. Hmm. Like, what have you done? And I would just give a little bit of like, oh, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know. Um, and then when I preached that sermon, I had people, I had folks that came that that explains why. Like, that exp- like now we get what happened, you know. It mm. is literally a Damascus Road moment in mm-hmm. which you are solid one point and you encounter the risen Christ. Hmm. You cannot remain the same and i used to say that before <laughs> right but and and it and, and maybe there was and you were right when you said it <laughs> i was right when i said it even though i hadn't necessarily experienced it but you cannot remain the same and and this is the beauty of living this life it is free mm. like when you the slave doesn't remain in the house forever only the son does so if the son sets you free you're free man you're free and and it's so freeing to be able to live life without the constraints of like oh um you know my reputation or oh like um you know i'm going to a smaller church boohoo woe is me woe is me woe is me you know no man no i'm yeah i'm going to i'm i listen the hacienda Mm -hmm. the estate Mm -hmm. that's my dad's estate Mm -hmm. and i'm his son so I own the estate. Let's go. There's no guilt. There's no like I I I I blew it. I didn't do something right. Um I don't deal I don't struggle with with the with it anymore. Right, right, like right. literally. I I can pinpoint exactly to when was the last time yeah. and know that it's wow. Yeah. And this the the freeing power of the spirit is real. And I can I can <clears throat> I, I can't emphasize that enough yeah. that by faith and by transformation, by growth, I can look back and know that the circumstances of my life, I know exactly what I would be doing mm-hmm. currently mm-hmm. if if I would have not had a Damascus Road experience of conversion mm-hmm. in 2019. So when you look back at this this time, the these last couple of years and your time in Lincoln. I know it's not in the rear of your mirror. Very soon, you're you're passing right yeah, now. Yeah. What What do you think it's going to look like? What's it going to say to you? Um, I don't know what it's going to say. I, I I don't know what it's going to say specifically, but I know it says you're my son. Yeah. And I've got you. So you're about to go to this new church. Yeah. And 
I don't know how long you're going to be there. You could be there till Jesus comes. They could, you could be there for two years. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what is it that they're going to hear from Harold Alamea by the time you're done there? You're dead to sin. Yeah. You've been transferred from death to life. You can't, you don't, you don't have to be, you're not lovable, you're loved. You're not savable, you're saved. You 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 don't you don't live in a in a constant like bookkeeping sense of like trying to keep a, a hold of your sin and like oh did I do this every day no you you don't live there Hebrews ten Hebrews eight the law is written in your mind and in your heart and therefore you are able to live out this way why because once and for all he did the thing that he needed to do and quite frankly he doesn't need your assistance to finish the work that he already finished so you get to live in it this is how and you live out you become love. It makes so much sense now when Jesus says, love your neighbor, love the, uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your might, all your heart, and your strength, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you shall love your neighbor with yourself. On, these, on this, mm-hmm. on this thing, love mm-hmm. hinges, everything hinges. Mm-hmm. And the more you get into this, the more you, be, you begin to unravel uh, the, the, the thoughts and the concepts that you've had growing up within whatever denomination that is that you've been growing up. Mm-hmm. Everything makes sense now. Mm-hmm. For me, as an ad, as a Seventh Day Adventist, mm-hmm. looking at this from an Adventist framework, mm-hmm. the gospel has everything now that makes sense. Mm-hmm. The picture of God that I have learned or that I had learned throughout the years of my theological training, mm-hmm. now with the gospel actually makes sense. And I cannot find any other place where this makes sense, mm-hmm. where where the understanding of who we are in him who we are, period, mm. all right? Mm-hmm. Who we are and what we get to do with that identity and how we get to live that life, that identity on this earth. The kingdom of heaven is now. It is not a ticket to go to heaven. It is not a certificate merely that says, you know, oh, you've been considered justified. No, 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 no. You are mm. in him, right? He made, he became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. Dude, you are that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? This is not just some sort of little stamp of approval mm. that you have to hold on to, like the vaccination cards of COVID. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, like you are, yeah. okay? This is this is who you are, and this is now you walk in it. Um, but but it's frustrating. It's frustrating sometimes for me to understand how Adventists like to flirt with the limit of God's grace. We, yeah, we want to ask about it, right? Yeah, it's like, well, but, can we lose it? Can we talk about? Can we talk about what we could do to lose it? Right. It's Let's like, just talk about how how in we are. Can yeah? Can we talk about how as high as the heavens? Yeah. As far as the east is from the west, like that is a lit. David is literally describing literal space, hmm. literal space. Wow. Like th- if you think about it, yeah, that's true. He's literally he's describing literal space in the poetry and he of the psalm. He is describing literal time in the psalm, right? Where he is describing that is how big it is from here to the heavens, from the east is to the west. So so think about that. Don't be telling me, well, where does west begin? Hmm. No, live in the fact that it's as far as the east is from the west. And you can't, the east cannot catch up to the west, right? It, you can't. It, it's impossible to catch up with it. Think about and live in the reality that he has literally, what God is like you who forgives our iniquities and who throws them to the bottom of the sea, right? Like, and he puts a sign that says no fishing allowed. <laughs> That's my addition to it. Uh, 
that's the thing that you get to hear. You get to hear the good, good gospel, which is what I I could say now, this is what my current congregation has been able to hear, mm-hmm. especially over the last four or five months, right. you know, preaching this last series yeah. of, of Kaleo called. Mm-hmm. It is the good, good gospel. It is, and it, it, does that mean that other God, no, listen, I'm not poo-pooing on, on anything else. I'm not saying I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying this message <laughs> is the good news. I was talking to somebody today uh-huh. and I was like, listen, if we're preaching the gospel wrong, it's that we're preaching it not as good as it is. We're not preaching it right. that that's better than it actually is. Right. We're if we're messing up somehow, mm-hmm. it's that it's better than we think it is. Yeah, that's how confident I am in this mm-hmm. thing. I'm not going to be shook. I'm free from sin. I am. Right. I'm righteous. Yeah, I'm a slave to righteousness. Its fruit is holiness. Yeah. And and that's that's where you live. You, listen, well, you, we're not in Canaan. We're not in Canaan yet. I get that. I'm in the desert, but I'm not making bricks anymore, bro. Like Pharaoh, the spirit of God is in us. Man. Pharaoh, Pharaoh is in the sea. He drowned. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm in the desert. I'm getting manna from heaven. Yeah, and it's the desert. We're not in Canaan. I get that, but I am not making bricks no more. There's no whip behind me telling no. me to make bricks and to and to do mud, water, yeah. sand. On the whip of my shoulder. <laughs> like we don't do that anymore, right? And and this is this is the beauty of of living out the gospel, of walking it out, receiving it, believing it, walking it out. Because if it happened to me, it can happen to anybody. Like it, this is it. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Oh, but you're gonna yes, sure. But again, focus, put your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So let's the deceitfulness of sin manifests itself in so many different ways. And there was one herald once upon a time that was pretty prideful and arrogant and wanted to talk about himself. But that herald was created from another herald that was in an equal amount of deception. And I want you to talk to that herald and tell him because Let's just go back to wherever you were in New Mexico on the side of the road, pulled over. And uh, what what uh, what are you going to tell that guy as we finish this mug out? Bro, chill. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's not going to kill you. He's going to give you life. Yeah. Just chill. You're, you're going to be okay. He loves you. He's your dad. I know you're not going to listen to me. <laughs> I know you. I, I know you. I feel bad for you. I feel bad for you because I know who you are, but you don't know who you are. Mercy. You don't know who you are. So I'm going to let you cry. I'm going to let you be. Mm-hmm. But you need to know that it's going to be okay and that he loves you. You're his kid, not his worker. You haven't screwed up. You're his kid. And everything that you need, you already have. Keep on crying. <laughs> I love you, bro. Same, man. This was fun. Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate you. Absolutely. I got people with me on the other side. Spirit on me too, bro. I see they trying to ride. Coming out for the night, yeah, it's that come alive. Coming out for the fight, yeah, we stay alive. We stay alive. Hey. Hey. 
Hey, put your hands down. Hey, we ain't coming questions, yeah, we bend down. Creed, I am Adonis, wash the hands now. Went from thinking broke to living rich now. Hey, busting with the twos, you watch me slide now. Hey, she look kinda bougie and she bad now. Hey, mama think I made it, is you proud now? Hey, hey. with the spirits trying to play with me. Stay alive, hey, stay alive, hey. Mm-hmm. 